This episode is brought to you by Crimped. This might be the best tool in the app store when it comes to training for rock climbing. Here's the deal. The Crimped app gives you access to 75 different workouts created by world-class climbers and coaches, Tom Randall and Ollie Tor of Lattice Training, for free. So you can download the app right now and see if you like it. And if you want even more training power, consider signing up for Crimped Plus. Crimped Plus unlocks three main things. Instead of the 75 workouts you get with a free version, you will have access to over 200 workouts and progressions. Secondly, with Crimped Plus, you can create your own custom training plans right there in the app. And finally, you'll unlock a collection of skill templates designed to bootstrap your training and focus on specific areas of improvement. Want to improve your finger strength or get more flexible or conquer the one-arm pull-up? Well, guess what? There's a skill template for each of those things and many more that will guide you through the process. So check out Crimped. Go to crimped.com or download the Crimped app for free from the App Store and consider signing up for Crimped Plus. Crimped, training on your own has never been easier. This episode is brought to you by AG1. I drink AG1 first thing in the morning, usually while I make my coffee, and I love starting the day feeling like I'm doing something good for my body. I always feel refreshed and ready to go after drinking my AG1. I really enjoy it. All great athletes have one thing in common. They take care of their bodies. And a huge part of that starts with optimizing whole body health. A lot of them also drink AG1, and it's why I'm a huge fan. With every daily serving, I'm setting myself up for success with 75 high-quality ingredients that give me key daily nutrients and support energy, focus, strength, and clarity throughout the day. It's a small habit that delivers huge benefits and helps me take great care of my health every day. So check it out. If a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash nugget. That's drinkag1.com slash nugget. Check it out. Hello, friends, and welcome back to another episode of the Nugget Climbing Podcast. This is your host, Stephen Dimmitt. I am recording this intro from my van. I'm finally back in the States after a three and a half month bouldering trip overseas to Switzerland and South Africa. Just got back a couple days ago. I'm exhausted. As you can hear in my voice, I'm still a little bit sick, mostly recovered from the sinus infection that I got at the end of my time in South Africa, but still not 100%, but it feels so good to be back home. My guest today is Nick Rummel, who goes by the nickname Thick Nick. I met Nick in Rocklands this year, and I just love this guy. It was so much fun to get to know him. I'm so impressed with his climbing. He had an outrageously good trip this year in Rocklands, and he's just a really sweet guy, really great to talk to. If you're really into training and you want to hear us geek out about finger strength, Nick's crimp journey and how he has been able to get his fingers strong enough to climb V13 crimp boulders at 185 pounds, then you will love this episode. If you're not that into training talk, I think you'll also love this episode. There's a lot in here that goes way beyond training. Nick's a really thoughtful, sensitive guy, interesting, a total math geek. And yeah, this episode was just very, very fun. Okay, let's jump in. I hope you guys enjoy 
this very fun and wide-ranging conversation with Nick Rummel. Uh, do you want to sound check, Ethan? Pop, pop, popsicles, <laughs> ice, ice, icicles, test, test, testicles, testing, <laughs> testing. <laughs> oh my god! Is that going as always? What? Oh, is that going in the podcast? <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Okay, <clears throat> anything could happen. <clears throat> <laughs> just like the temperature today. <laughs> Maybe not below the bugs. Maybe not below straight oh, in the sorry. microphone. <laughs> Get the... You're like, that's not it. You should blow. <laughs> the the bugs do seem to like landing on the mic. The fuzzy mic thing. Yeah. I don't know why. Did I press record over there? <laughs> Is that button on? Oh boy. It's like a little red light. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, I did it. Four. Huh? One, two, and four. And the see the one below. This and that's also guy, on. That yeah. yeah. Are the numbers numbering? I think that's what got me with Cat is that four was lit up and it's right next to the record button. <laughs> I'm just making excuses for myself. <laughs> God damn it. Was it not recording for Cat? I didn't record for the first hour of our conversation. Maybe oh, it was no. an hour and 15. <laughs> hour, hour and 15. And yeah. It was it was around an hour. And then um, thankfully he was super kind and came back over a couple days later and we just did it again. Dang. <clears throat> but... um. Yeah, my heart fell out of my body when that happened. <laughs> felt horrible. Yeah, you're like, <laughs> like the worst feeling everybody I've ever had doing the podcast for sure. Everybody makes mistakes at work. It's like how it is. Yeah, had to happen eventually. Yep. <clears throat> okay, are we ready? Are you? Yeah, feeling? I'm ready. Feeling I feel good? pretty good. Nice. Yeah. You guys both took layers off for this. I feel like I need to put one on. Right now? Yeah. It's like 75 degrees outside. I know. I'm always cold. Yeah. It's warm. Lean boy. We're starting. Yeah. Lean boy over here. We're starting um, in t-shirts. So we'll see where this goes. (laughs) We'll see what else comes off by the end of this conversation. We need to start (laughs) at the beginning um, because I love this story. We met, I don't know, a week or two ago at the hen house. Okay. And um, I'd been hearing about Thick Nick and I was like... First off, that's hilarious. Like, that's a hilarious nickname. And I, like, don't know if I feel bad for this person or if I, like, um, am, like, proud of this person. And then I asked you about it and I just, I immediately, like, fell in love with you. I was like, this guy's fucking awesome. How did you get the nickname Thick Nick? Because that's your Instagram handle. You've, like, really leaned into it. Yeah. I think it's funny now. My friend, Denny, he called me Thick Nick as like a joke and it like really hurt my feelings. And then in my head, I was like, well, that's, that's nonsense. Like you got to get over that. And so I changed my Instagram handle to that so that it would like, so I would get over it. (laughs) I just like, didn't think that was something like, I'm naturally a more sensitive person, I think. And I like knew that this was something that was funny and that had some truth inside of it and I needed to like just own it and get over some of that self-consciousness. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How, did, were your feelings hurt for like days or like for like a second or 30 seconds or like, was it Maybe something like, you felt like you had to talk to him about? No, nothing that bad. I think it like was like a- Danny, that hurt my feelings. <laughs> yeah, kind of. I was, 
Uh, yeah, I don't know. I not like so bad. I, maybe like just a day or so, uh-huh. and then I. But the more I thought about it, the more it like like you're just like given the body you're given, and I'm really grateful for mine in a lot of ways. And like, I think that. <laughs> If you can't laugh at yourself, then you're kind of doing it wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What are what are your dimensions for people listening that are curious? Because okay. climbers always are like, you know, we're we have such a skewed paradigm. Yeah, I think in like the big scheme of things, I'm actually like not that big of a person. But, exactly. Um, yeah, like compared to like another Americans and stuff, uh, especially. But I'm like five foot ten, maybe five foot eleven on Tinder. Wait, really? Um, <laughs> yeah, five ten. Yeah. What? You're I, not like six foot? No. He's my a tall 5'10". Sh- my shoulders trick people because I have big shoulders and I um, have like a really big wingspan. I have like six, three and a half wings. Um, and then mm. I weigh like 180, 185 pounds usually. Yeah. Um, I have gotten leaner for certain projects, but most of the time that's like where I'm happy. So. How, how much do you think, sorry if this is... No, it's good. How much do you think you weigh right now in Rocklands? probably like 180 because you're like i mean you're a very muscular dude but you're super lean like you shouldn't get any leaner than than you are on mm. this trip it seems like yeah no i don't it's i i definitely like so, some of the how lean i am and how much muscle mass i have has been like gained through like lots of years so i don't think i've always like had this much muscle mass so when i've been smaller i've been like a relatively similar leanness but like less muscle mass and it's just like taking time for like my man meat to come in (laughs) (laughs) how old are you nick i'm 27 now okay yeah man meat's fully come in yeah i think i'm fully fully (laughs) realized fully realized adult well i just November 19th. I want to commend you. I love your nickname. I think it's amazing. (laughs) And it gives you like a lot of street cred. Like when you hear about Thick Nick and the... Because you've been on a fucking tear this trip. You've had such a good trip. Yeah. And um, I mean, you're more inspiring to me than like any other climber I've met because I can relate to you. Wow. Like we're around the same height. I'm like, you know, around the same weight as well. Like 175. I'm a little shorter, shorter arms. But I'm like, I can see... Like, if this guy can do it, I want to talk about your crimping journey later. Like, if he's figured it out, maybe there's a way. And it's, like, uniquely inspiring, dude. It's sick. Oh, thank you. But, like, knowing that you're doing some of the same things that, like, you know, these boys from the Northeast that are, I don't know, 140 pounds, these tiny little lads are doing. Like, not to take away from them. They're super strong. And that's just the body. Those are the bodies that they have. Um, But, like, when I hear that Thick Nick sent the same thing i'm like yes it goes <laughs> it's rad yeah thanks. We, you know we call you that right yeah i'm pretty i've like it <laughs> i heard you at the <laughs> house the other day and you were like someone called me thick nick to my face <laughs> uh, it's happened so much it happens a lot with like the um the demographic that really leans into calling me thick nick is like that like university high school to university age boys like i've just i've had so many hero. random people maybe <laughs> i have like random 18 year olds that i'll like meet out at the crab and they'll just be like like cheering me on being like come on thick and i'm like 
<laughs> I'm like, who is this person? Why you do, haven't even they, met them? They don't even know my yeah. They don't, they don't even know. I don't know like Ben Blackmore. I've never I never <laughs> met him. I was trying Bush Pilot, which is this like V11 at Rocky Mountain National Park, and I was like doing it, and he like screamed, "Come out thick!" or like, "Come on thick!" and I. Like it really almost made me fall off the boulder. Like I was sending and I was like, oh my God. And my friend, uh, my other friend that was there was just like, that guy, like people just call you that now. Like that's your real name. I was like, oh, I, I, this maybe has gone a little too far away. <laughs> I kind of like it. Like if it makes, I think if it's memorable, like it. it's, if it's endearing. Like, it's, yeah. It's like, <clears throat> in some ways, it's like a way to just like be memorable. <laughs> Yeah. 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 I mean, it's easy for me to, like, you're like at the level that I would love to be at. So mm -hmm. seeing you, I'm like, oh, of course he's like super confident and like really happy with his climbing. <laughs> he must be. Cause like, how could he not be? But you know, if someone called me thick, I'd be like, what the fuck? <laughs> so, <laughs> interesting to think about both sides of it. Yeah. It like, <clears throat> yeah, it takes me back uh, like a little bit when I hear it sometimes. Cause I'm like, I'm, I'm like trying to be like fit and lean and like, I think I am those things, but I, I do think it's, I, there are definite on one, the one hand I know of climbers who are bigger and like heavier than me in like pretty much every way and still can do things that are really hard. But when I feel my, when I climb with my friends, especially in Colorado, like I do feel like I am a different make and model. <laughs> I'm like I'm like a Chevy Colorado with a with a bunch of smart cars out there. <laughs> yeah. How did you get so thick? Is it just genetics? I mean, I know you've done some training, mm. and I know recently you've you done some weightlifting. So but mm. is it is it just like you're just your Nordic, skin dude. And just, are you your just, Viking build? Yeah, you're Viking build. I think you I'm look just like a Viking. I'm just Viking build. Okay. I think okay. I think it's the Swedish German Germanic genes. Mm. My dad looks a lot like this hmm. um yeah my dad was pretty muscly all the way up and he still is but he's like getting closer to 70 every year and so he's like turning he's gone full like cyclist mode so he's hmm. like leaning down as he gets older hmm. but like when i was a kid he looked pretty much the same as me yeah, yeah. and my mom's really fit <clears throat> too she was like a, a sprinter and stuff so gotcha. yeah I, I like the Chevy Colorado thing. I was uh, I was telling Jen DeBellis, I think we were in Magic Wood and I, I was like explaining, because I'm like hard on myself sometimes with my climbing and she, mm. I think she was like, dude, you're you're like climbing well or I don't know. Mm. Um, but I always compare myself to like, you know, different highlight reel versions of myself, right? And I like mm. had this amazing trip in 2017 in Bishop that I always compare myself to. Um, but my body's changed a lot since then. And on the whole, I feel better and I'm stronger than ever, but I, I was explaining it to her and I was like, I feel like I spent a decade driving a Mazda, you know, and like souped it up as much as I could and got really good at driving it. And then all of a sudden I'm driving a truck now and it like can do different things and it can do some, a lot of things a lot better, but I'm just not that used to driving it yet. Like it's still kind mm. of a new experience. Cause I, I think in Magic Wood, I was like, I feel kind of clunky. Like I'm, I'm clunky in my climbing right now. And I was kind of unpacking that, but I definitely can relate to that. Like I had some, like coming into adulthood, I was probably like anywhere from like 20 to 30 pounds lighter from like age 16 to like 21 and or 22. Like you started pretty young, right? Climbing at like 12 or something? Like 12-ish. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. And then, so as like you turn into, like you become a different um, like size of person, I think it was hard 
with injuries through that age because I feel like my tendons were like not ready to be yard like yarding on them in the way that like hard bouldering allows like makes you do. Um, but I think in the long run, it, it's better to sort of accept what you've been given rather than like trying to make it something else. And like, there's probably like limitations to the build that I have, but there's also like benefits. I think I like worked with Fultz for a, a while and I think his, like his wife helped a lot with like thinking about like what are like the diet things that can help make like the most of what you are. And also I think like the, the, the really methodical approach of like assessing what, where you're at, um, gave me like a lot of peace where I was like, Oh, like I have these like mm. training statistics that are on par with other people. And even though I might visually look different or the scale says something different, like pound for pound, like I'm still just as strong as some of my other friends there's like outliers, um, on specific strength metrics that I, like, I don't think I'll ever be able to reach like Allison Vest's fingers or my friend Chase Martinez's fingers. He's like a hundred pounds. I love Chase. Shout out to Chase. Um, but like he, yeah, Chase can hang on a 20 mil edge with, I think you said like 160 pounds added, but he weighs 105. Wow. So you're just like, okay, well, I'm never going to add like 250 pounds, but <laughs> with one hand, with two hands, but oh, he, okay. he could pick up, he could pick up 190 pounds with one hand or something or 170 or something off the ground, lift, off the yeah. ground. Wow. Yeah. And he weighs That's like insane. 105. Like wow. you're just like, okay, well I'm never going to do that. But I do think that, like there are things that are like in my control that like where I'm, I'm reaching benchmarks on like the, the strength metrics where I think that like really gave me enough like I had data to make me think, oh, I have the necessary components to climb the things that I want. Mm. We can sort of let go of these, the desire to be different. Mm. And I think it, it's funny because I was talking to Austin Guyman about this last trip because I was really struggling to make the moves on Sky, which was like my big project last year and this year. And he was like, I was like, I just wish that like, I was like a little bit lighter. Like I feel heavy. I've been eating all this steak. And Guyman was like, shut up. He's like, if I could climb what you can climb and look like you, I'd be freaking out. So like, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, he's like, he's like I, I, I never thought about it that way. I never mm -hmm. thought that someone like Austin would like want to have my body. Cause I've spent my whole life looking up to someone like, like specifically to Austin, honestly, he owns the gym I grew up at. Mm. And so that, I think that was like a pretty pivotal moment in my life where I was like, oh, like there's like some gratefulness for like who you are. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause you're not going to, wh whoever, whatever you are, the grass can always look greener. Right. Yeah. Right. right. No, yeah. that's, that's amazing, dude. Yeah. Super, super great, um, takeaways there and, and, and great wisdom there. Yeah. It's, it's weird how everyone's on, it's like, it's like having curly hair and wanting straight hair and having straight hair and wanting curly hair and like everyone's doing it about something, you about know? And, something. and I've been surprised at that too. Like I've definitely had friends express like envy of my muscles and I'm like confused, you know? And then it, it makes me sit with that for a second. I'm like, oh, right. Okay. Like everyone's doing this, you know, mm. that everyone's, 
perceiving others as other and, you know, I can't do that because I'm not, I don't have these qualities that this person I look up to has. Like we're all telling ourselves those stories all the time. So that's yeah, that's awesome that you've been able to kind of shift your narrative on that. Yeah. I'm, I'm grateful for like some of this, the mind, like I think making fun of yourself can help you um, like take it a little bit less seriously too. Cause at some level I like, I'm really proud of the climber that I've become, but in a lot of, in a lot of ways, like I have to cl like the reason that like you and I, maybe not e Ethan, like has like a career out of climbing, but like climbing isn't going to be my career. And I don't think there's like any like reality where that could like be the full-time thing for me. So you have to, when you are thinking about like, well, what am I getting out of climbing? And you're like, well, I'm pushing my limits for me and I'm enjoying it. And so then stressing about being a different like body shape really gets in the way of both of those mm -hmm, things. Mm -hmm. You're like, oh, I, you're trying to push your limits in this body. Okay. Well, yeah. then like deal with that. Nice. Yeah. Where you're at. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I want to, yeah. I'm curious how you feel about your trip because we can always, you know, climbers are always so hard on ourselves, but um, it seems like you're thrilled about your trip. And I was looking at, and you should be, I was looking at your A day yesterday and just crunching the numbers, dude. And you did four V13s in like a 12-day stretch. Yeah. Three V12s in that same time frame. And you've done like 20 boulders V11 and harder in the last few weeks. Like that's insane. Yeah. It's such a good run. Not to mention V10s and other stuff that you've done because I know you've done a bunch of others yeah, as that, well. But It doesn't really make Nick's sense. Nick's on one. <laughs> I feel like I'm on one. I, I love trap music and I was like looking for this Drake song where he was like yelling out, I'm on one for like an Instagram reel. And there's like a song called I'm on one. And I was like, oh, that can't be it. And then I like went through a bunch of full albums, like listening for this song. And it turns out it's like the one song that's called I'm on one. And I'm an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> so sometimes the most obvious that answer is the I, correct that's like, I was like, that's like, that can't be it. And I was like, that's not it. Uh, God damn it. But the, um, yeah, I really feel like I'm on one. I'm really incredibly grateful. I'm a little like taken aback. Um, I was like training really hard through the winter for like a pretty long sustained like crimp boulder um, close to home. And, and you're in Fort Collins. I'm in, yeah. in Fort Collins, Colorado. <laughs> yeah. And so I was training for this boulder and I was getting really close and I had broken some new like strength metrics on, like on and off the wall. And the it was spring break and i was like set aside the time i was like i'm gonna do my project and the tension guys also called me up and were like we want to do like a, a video of your home wall we like are doing this spray wall series i watched it i loved it and i yeah i'll, I'll share it for it people was, it was so fun and bro-y your wall bro is sick oh, dude thank you yeah, yeah i love valhalla I, valhalla again another <laughs> uh, like nordic reference <laughs> we got to make our ancestors proud out here <laughs> But the um, South Africa in South Africa, yeah. My grandpappy, grandpappy Schmed <laughs> did not see this one coming. <laughs> I'm derailing you, though. I'm sorry. The yeah, like I broke all these these strength metrics, and um, and also like I was doing the circuits on my home wall that I've never been able to do, um, and I was like, oh, I'm gonna do this problem. Like I have it in two parts. I just need to go back. And then I went to um, um, film for the tension thing and I did like 
pretty much e- almost every of the hardest, but like all the project level boulders, I did them like all in a day because I was so pumped to like have these like people basically like validating my lifestyle because I through a lot of COVID and and after like I s- climb a lot alone on my home wall and it just sort of feels like suffering like <laughs> just just like putting in the time and it's a little lonely and but I think it's what I wanted to do and I think it really like was meditative and it was like a good introvert time in a lot of ways but I think in my own head, I like got down on myself and then I was like, so, um, like validated to be like, oh my, like these friends that I love that I really respect, like are going to come over up here and like say like, oh, what you're doing up here in Fort Collins is cool. And all these boulders are actually hard. Cause like I Mm. had in some ways I was like, well, maybe like, I'm just like, not that good. Like I, no one else is really trying these. And, um, I went back to the project a couple of days later and it was just like too many crimp boulders. Like my finger like swelled up uh, really bad. And mm-hmm. so I'd been kind of dealing with that. I don't know what exactly I hurt. I never got it like imaged. I got it to calm down like enough over about two months. Like it t- was like off and on, like sort of bothering me for the two months leading up to the trip. And then about four or five weeks before my trip out here, I like was doing this V7 that I had done before and it had a high heel hook and I felt like and heard a pop in my knee. So I came into the trip being like, I like don't, I might have like a torn meniscus on my left knee and I like might, I haven't been able to crimp for two months. Like we'll see how this goes. And I think it really just goes to show that I was overtraining because mm. I just felt rested and snappy mm. and it, like really paid off, especially those first 12 days of the trip where like, and and I also think Rockland's like, you don't have to grab bad holds if you don't want to. You can mm. just like go find the ones with good holds. <laughs> and even the ones that I thought had, like that there are boulders that I did that have objectively bad holds, but compared to my home wall, they're still good holds. <laughs> Sick, <laughs> so, that's what you want. Yeah, I think I would really like, yeah. So I think that was cool. And I, I, it, some of it I also think is like a psychology thing. I wasn't putting a lot of pressure on myself and I wasn't in my own head and being the type of like, um, calculating, like I'm a, like, I'm a math, I'm a math guy. And like being that sort of like calculating in your executive function all the time when I like sort of let that go and was like, I'm just here with one of like with my a really good friend Matthias, I've been like wanting to hang out with my buddy for a year. We're on vacation. Let's just enjoy it. And also like not having the expectations of maybe performing at all. Like I didn't know how hard I'd be able to climb. And so I think that really left some like space to like let things be possible. Mm. Which I'm still trying to wrap my head around how to like repeat something like this like again. how to do it again on how purpose. to do it again on purpose i think that yeah, like yeah. really really deloading is like the obvious choice like i think like i probably climbed like four or five times in the three weeks leading up to this trip mm. and maybe the four weeks leading up to this trip and i think that was the right move like yeah my my body felt good well especially after it sounds like you kind of had 
you know, not just like a training block, but like years of consistent climbing on your home wall. Yeah. Yeah. I've had, I built the home wall in like 2020. So I had like about three years of like almost exclusively climbing there or at the tension training center um, or outside. And so those were like, if you think about like the type of like human, that's just like such a good, good, strong stimulus to be like, you need to grab bad holds. Like this is what we do mm -hmm. <laughs> day in, day out. We grab bad holds. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I think that is, that was a good part. What was the longest break you took before you hurt your finger? Like in climbing? Yeah. I, I like in the last year I've been like experiencing experimenting more with like taking like 10 days off mm -hmm. like every eight to 12 weeks but that's usually as long as i'll go completely um, off like not and not usually even completely off usually just like i'll like really decrease the volume and intensity mm -hmm. and i have like one session in those 10 days or something like that okay um and i think part of it ooh, in the last year has just been that i've been I went back to school and school I find to be a lot more like physically and mentally taxing than my old job. My old job was like so predictable. It was like, you do these five days of work a week, you work during these hours and then it never stops. Like that's, that's how this works. What were you, what were you doing again? You're, you're, you're an applied maths guy. You were doing something with missiles or? Yeah. For about four years, a little under four years, I worked on Missile tracking algorithm. Okay. Yeah, oh, okay. I'll, I'll deal with all that. It'll no, be it's okay. fine. <laughs> the, the, <laughs> noise the birds are beautiful. Yeah they're, yeah, they're popping off right now. Yeah, for about three and a half years, I worked at this company called Numerica, which is like numerics and America smashed together. <laughs> and it was started by this applied math professor out of CSU, which is the college in Fort Collins. And we work on mostly missile tracking or I guess we worked, I don't work for them anymore, but on missile tracking and de detection algorithms. And that's what I did for that period of my life. It was really fun. I made a lot of good friends. It like afforded me a really nice lifestyle and it really made me like fall in love with, I think like the specific types of math that I really like. Like I like thinking about problems where there's like this underlying physical model um, because I, I would spend so much of my time like thinking about these uh, these like missiles flying through the air, but there's uncertainty with where we think they are. So I think of it as like this sort of like distribution, like traveling in space. And we're like sh trying to view it from all these different angles. And then I fell in love with like the coding aspect of it. I really like, I didn't code very well before I went in. And one of my like, really big mentors there. He like would make fun of me, Dale. He was like, yeah, you were useless when you came here. Like you, you were like completely useless. <laughs> and then by the, by the end, he's, he did say that I was like one of, like one of his favorite people to work with. I think that's like such a great th experience for me to mm. like, for my first job to like, ha feel like I went through like a lot of personal growth and also like sort of fall in love with the subject matter of it. Um, but everybody that I was working with, I was the one guy on the research and development sort of side of it that didn't have a graduate degree. And so 
they all were like pushing me to like get on with it already. Mm. They're like, if you want to come back here and do this, that's fine. But like, you are like at you're the type of person that would really enjoy a graduate degree, and it's going to hold you back from like having the jobs that we have. Mm. You don't want to be my assistant forever, mm. basically. Do you think you would go back to that career? Maybe. I thought it was really good life. I, I, there's lots of different applications that use a very similar math mm. where like a lot of the um, same underlying like statistical and optimization tools that we used in missile tracking, you could apply to like finance or to other big tech stuff um, and environmental things as well. So I think grad school is also just like an opportunity for like those doors to be opened mm. rather than have to be like the missile tracking guy. Cause that's like where I've shown my, I've cut my teeth. Mm -hmm. I feel mm -hmm. like having letters next to my name would let me be more able, able to try lots of different things out. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Gotcha. So you've, you need more rest now that you're in school. Yes. I feel like I get, it's interesting cause it's not consistent. Like, there will be weeks where I feel like I'm barely, like I barely have a job and I'm like, just like I go to lecture a few hours a week and I dink around on some like toy problems that I know how to do basically. And then I go and climb a bunch or I'm, yeah. And, or I'm training and then I'll go through a week where I'm like, oh man, like that was like an awful week. Like I had to study for all these tests and I had to take these tests and my brain feels my, like my body will feel like bad from like thinking that hard, mm. which is pretty sick. Like I <laughs> like math problems end up being a lot harder than boulder problems. I think <laughs> I wanted to ask what the longest amount of time you've ever taken on a math problem was and what the longest amount of time you've ever taken on a boulder problem. was. <laughs> that's kind of that's a, a cool good, question. question. <sighs> well, days, sessions. Oh, <laughs> Can you remember? Can you remember the math problem that took you the longest? I'm sure you can remember the Boulder problem. Yeah, I, I also have like a lot I've... of stupid questions about math. <laughs> no, don't don't. Stupid's the wrong word. <laughs> that, that, there's no stupid questions. But the, um, I think the longest Boulder problem project I had is like Dark Waters. Because I think I started trying, I tried that when I was like 16. And it's in Clear Creek. In Clear Creek Canyon. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a V12 in Clear Creek Canyon. It's pretty unfortunate. Like when I started trying it when I was in high school, there was like this like really river polished sculpted crimp in this roof that the was undercling. This undercling mm -hmm. hold. Mm -hmm. And I, then I tried it before the undercling was. And then the undercling changed. is just like someone went in there with a, like with a, like a chisel, like a rock hammer. And it's it, like un in-cut now. It is yeah. a, like, I can, I it went from being like, I've never done the intro boulder to then like, I can run lap. I like, I've done two laps on like dark waters now or something mm. like, yeah. So it, it, it's like a different problem, which mm -hmm. is pretty unfortunate. So I don't know if that really counts. There's also, yes, yeah, so, but that was, I did that boulder when I was like 24. So that's like, eight years or something. It took wow. me like eight years to do that. Wow. Yeah. I, I, and I didn't try it like off. I tried it off and on. I didn't try it. A t mm -hmm. I, I didn't like You probably rage like and, years long breaks here and there. Yeah. I think <clears throat> the most, 
Um, the most I've ever sieged a boulder is probably like the space between cars. And that's this really old Jamie Emerson B13. And I probably, that I put like 13 or 14 sessions into that over one winter. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Did it? I did it. Yeah, that one's, that's like. Last weather window. The last, it was like, it was like June and it was windy and I magically, it was, a, that was a magical day. <laughs> um, nice. Yeah. Nice. My, I call, I talked to my mom on the phone. I was like, oh, I'm like nervous. Like I can't like, like I, I don't I had like recently quit my job to like, um, like work on some stuff to prepare to like be in grad school. I was building out this like trailer that I would live in in Boulder. And um, I was like on a, the last weather window and I was talking to my mom. I was like, oh, I like this like climb means so much. And she's like, you just got to think that you never want to go back. She's like, she's like, do you want to go back? I was like, I really don't. She's like, well, then don't. And I was like, oh, okay. Wow. wow. <laughs> no pressure though. Mom, yeah. It, it, Mom dropped the hammer. It like worked. Like she did that. We, I took her on a climbing trip to Penitente and we were doing bold. I was doing boulders there after she finished top roping one day. And she did the same. She like had the same exact pep top. She's like, she's like, I'm not hiking pads up here again. So like, you should do it. And I was <laughs> like, I was like, that, that makes sense. Your mom okay. sounds kind of kind of hard <laughs> she's a hard she's a she's an she's an emergency room tough, doctor tough she's, a, oh, okay. she's a stud mm. yeah she, okay so 14 it, days for the boulder yeah space between cars there's the math so the hardest the math pro i this is like a math i imagine you like problem. i imagine you like in like working it out on some blackboard in like a lecture hall like like Goodwill hunting or something. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm like a much more like blue collar mathematician than that. Like there's like pure mathematicians that like do a lot of math on pen and paper. Mm. And Are you using computers? Yeah, and I cheating? use, com- I cheat all the time. <laughs> like I'm a cheater. That was one of my questions, one yes. of my stupid questions. I'm like a, I'm like a cheater mathematician. Like I was talking to, um, I think it's, tr- I'm forgetting her name. She was with, the Austin Hoyt, I think her name's Maddie. Is that right? Mm, mm-hmm. Yes. She's a pure mathematician at oh. Brown or something. Whoa. And she was telling me about the work she does. And I was like, well, that's like way over my head. I'm, really? I mean, it's it, in some ways, it's just like a different thing. So are yeah. pure mathemat- mathematicians like limited in what they can do compared to like people who use computers or? I don't know if limited's the right word because I think like we're both limited. Like I don't spend as much time using the tools that she uses and she doesn't use the tools that I use. So we're just like different specialists. What are you guys figuring out? It makes me think of engineering. Like people always assume I did lots of math and engineering and I'm like, no, I was just like catting stuff and Mm. really sophisticated programs, but it's not easy to use. Like Mm -hmm. you still have to have a lot of knowledge. Mm -hmm. Exactly. But I wasn't like doing division on a napkin, you know? Yeah. What is applied math? What is applied? (laughs) Applied math is, I think I like to, so pure mathematician, let's start like as pure as you can get. I just know. Yeah, I wear my applied math hat. (laughs) I like the, (laughs) I I like to think of like pure mathematicians are I'll I'll say this as like romantic as I can. I think that like pure mathematicians Make math sexy. Let's I, go. Yeah, I think pure mathematicians are so in love with just like how the math lives itself out if you take it as far as you can. Like you just you're not afraid of the rabbit hole. Mm. Like there's so many rabbit holes with math where you're like 
well, what if we say that these rules are just just these rules apply and not these other rules. And we just go into this weird topological space and we try and move things around. Can I prove things about how these two objects behave in this topology? And you're like, well, what, what is, how does that topology relate to the real world? And they're like, oh, it doesn't. And you're like, it's just math for its own sake. It's just math for its own sake. And then engineers, I feel like are super utilitarian. They're like, I want to build the bridge. I want to build a bridge. You're like, okay, well, what do you like? What are the things we need? They're like, we need concrete. And we need to know it's not going to break. Then they build it like a thousand times too strong, and they're like, that'll be good enough. And that's like a hasty generalization. And I don't think all engineers work that way. But for the sake of argument, we'll just say that they're like pure. It's more pure utilitarian. And I feel like the applied mathematicians are somewhere in the middle, mm. where when the engineer gets to like where I, I think I really like seeing like math live itself out in the physical world. So that's why I was saying that I really like modeling things um, and thinking about if I was to describe this physical thing with math, how would I do that? Um, and sort of like picking, I, I think in some ways mathematicians are like the the handymen of of the world or, or of of like problem solving mm. where they have the all these like tools in their toolbox and then someone will call call us in and they'll be like we have this problem and you're like oh well if i like mas massage it around like this then it'll this looks like another similar problem that i've used and i can use all these tools and all this theory to help me pull it out mm. and they can pull like pull things that seem very desperate and then make them look the same. Like my, one of my professors, she just published this big paper where she uses a bunch of Markov um, theory and applies it to like chemical transport problems. I hope I'm not messing that up. Um, she was just saying- No one listening is yeah. gonna fact check you on that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but basically she's just like, all of these chemistry problems are the same as these other like Markov chain problems. They're mm. the same. You just have to do these transformations and then they're all the same problem. And you're like, that's crazy. Mm. Uh, that you would be able to like, I, I feel like there's this like, the thing that's so beautiful about applied math is I feel like once you get those, like the prerequisite fluency to use the tools, then there's like this next layer of like intuition that comes in. And I think that's what really inspires me about the math is like, I, I, it's hard sometimes to like want to put in the time to be good at algebra or calculus or differential equations or whatever little piece of math. But then once you have that fluency, once you speak the language, then you can start describing everything you see around you. Um, and I, I think that's beautiful. And it makes you feel like you actually understand like the underlying dynamics of what's happening. And we will be right back. This episode is brought to you by wonderful pistachios. You guys know that I mostly eat whole foods when it comes to my nutrition, and I'm always looking for good crag snacks to bring to the boulders 
or to the cliff, something with some substance to keep me fueled for hours and hours of climbing. Pistachios are known for their protein power, fiber, and better for you unsaturated fats for a combination that may help keep you feeling fuller longer than other snacks. And they're super convenient and so tasty. Their no-shell flavors include the classic roasted and salted, that's my favorite, super basic, I know. Salt and pepper, honey roasted, chili roasted, and smoky barbecue. They are all so good, you literally can't go wrong. Wonderful pistachios come in a variety of sizes, perfect for enjoying by yourself or with family or friends, or taking them with you on your climbing adventures. So whether you're hitting the gym after work or heading out on a weekend adventure, Fuel up with a healthy and tasty snack. Check out wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more about how these little green wonders can power up your day. Again, that's wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Rocky Talkie. I love these things. I never thought I'd go back to using radios in the year 2023, but these things are awesome. Here's the deal. We all have phones, but sometimes phones aren't very helpful. Let's say you're climbing a multi-pitch or you're backcountry skiing or sitting on a chairlift and you don't want to drop your phone in the snow or you're mountain biking and it's a pain to stop and get your phone out or you just don't have service. Phones are not always the best option. The best way to communicate in the backcountry is with Rocky Talkies. I've actually been using these for bouldering. I often record interviews in the morning and I go climbing in the afternoon and I want to meet up with my friends and the Rocky Talkies have been awesome when I don't have cell reception. The max range on these things is 25 miles and they typically work up to one to five miles in the mountains and backcountry terrain. I haven't tested the range on these things, but so far they've always worked with zero issues, even in rocky areas like Waco. I've never had a problem. So check them out. Get 10% off your first pair of Rocky Talkies by going to rockytalkie.com slash nugget. That's rockytalkie.com slash nugget for 10% off your first order of backcountry radios. And now back to the show. Do you have more math questions? Well, he didn't. He never answered the question about which what math problem took him the longest. Oh, that's um, true. Okay, so the math <laughs> problem that took me the longest. Yeah, we're gonna. I I'm do sorry. have a lot more math problems. Also, the math problem that took me the longest. I or the, there is an algorithm. I don't know if it like strictly is all math because there was a lot of just like computer science coding. But there's this this we called it the Jabe solver. And basically, so a, 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 an intrinsic problem to missile tracking is I have these measurements that sensor one saw, and let's say it saw five things, and I have this other sensor, and it saw sensor two, and it saw four things. Which things are the same? And if they are the same, can we like combine those measurements to get like a better estimate of where those things are in space? Okay. And so if we assume that the five things that sensor one had that they're like each one of those measurements might have some independent error, but because like maybe the sensor was bumped or the light or the air, uh, yeah, not sorry, not the light, but the air. I'll just start over so, I can, <laughs> so that I can. I, I like. I was like, I don't want to. This this is like complicated, so I don't want to mess it up. Yeah. So let's say the five things that sensor one saw 
have like each have a little bit of independent air, but they all share a common air, and we'll okay. call that bias. And the same thing for sensor two. And so we're trying to like figure out the common bias so that we can shift all of these things, all the the objects from sensor five or, or the five things that sensor one saw to match as closely as we can with sensor two. And so you're searching over this bias space and the assignment space at the same time. And the assignment space is saying like, does object, the first object that sensor one saw match with the first object that sensor two saw. And so that's a discrete assignment problem. You only have nine things and they can only, you assume that like all of the things that each one sees are like definitely distinct objects. And you assume that, um, yeah. There's only so many possible There's only so many popular com combinations, but, and that's not a big deal when there's only five and four things, but what if there's like a lot more than that? Mm -hmm. It turns out that that grows really fast. Um, and so you have to like decrease the size of the space that we're searching over. And if you are given an assignment, then there's like a closed form solution for the bias. But if you don't know the bias, then you're like searching over both this like continuous, like constant shift that we can find. And so this is called the Jabe problem. It's the joint assignment and bias estimation problem. And I worked on an algorithm that did some cool non-convex optimization of it. And I worked on that for off and on for probably three years. Like I played around in no. that code for, for a long time and I fell in love with that problem. Is the Jabe problem something that like a lot of mathematicians know about? Is it like a... I, it's like similar. <laughs> Pardon me. <clears throat> Sick boys. Mm. I don't know if it's a, like a super prolific problem. I think it, the techniques I used are things that other math, other applied mathematicians or other other people that use optimization methods would like be familiar with. Um, like I used a branch and bound algorithm. I thought that was cool, and I think. That algorithm. Did like, you solve this problem? I mean, I, I, like I. Or is this the, like an unsolvable problem? How how to answer that? <laughs> I like made. I made. I feel like with every hard problem, you're making a very small amount of impact, and you're making it better. So I made the algorithm like a hundred times faster, mm. which was like a big deal because if you're trying to find the missile, you want to know where it is right now. Mm -hmm. So that's a big deal. But, so. It, um, and, I mean, the application of this problem for you and your 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 job was finding the missile in space based on objects that the missile sees. Yeah, and I don't know. Like, I don't think I'm talking about anything. I, yeah, I, I I mean, I don't want to about to get, get struck right now. Yeah, I don't want to get too <laughs> in, to get into drawn. the weeds. Like, I don't think. Yeah. I like. I think I've. Yeah, like I, I think I've said everything that I. I can say about mm -hmm. like the specifics of like the application of it. I don't want to go too in the weeds, but the um, the Russians are listening. Yeah, I don't. I don't think. <laughs> and I, and I think it was like a really cool. It, I mean, I, in some this algorithm, like we have like. So the you company, found really good beta on this. I found really I found yeah. really good yeah. beta on the yeah. problem. Like I did. Thank the, you. I did the problem. But no one <laughs> might ever send this problem. No one's ever going to be like whoa. I sent well, the like, Jabe before problem. I came. Like they had an algorithm that was like solving the Jabe problem, but it was 
too slow and I made it better. Mm. So I like found better beta mm-hmm. to solve the J problem mm. basically. Nice. Yeah. So it kind of sounds like you sent maybe. Yeah, I sent. Okay. <laughs> I sent, it was like really. You seem unsure. Maybe you dabbed a little. Maybe I dabbed a little. <laughs> there's an asterisk next to your send. Yeah. J problem. Sure. I think that they're like, there's still. He crouched harder. I crouched, so I didn't upgrade. do the full assist. No. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I think it's hard. And I think that there's still like, I feel like that's something mm-hmm. that is n- maybe not as um that can feel not as good about these hard math problems is like even when you've made like a big step forward then you just like get more questions or you're like mm. well that doesn't it never ends y- you, it never ends you're like oh well i didn't really like like with the j problem it's this big non-convex optimization problem which just means that like and because the space that you're searching grows so much as you add more objects you like there isn't enough time or computational power to like explore the whole space so you can't be a hundred percent sure that you found the exact right answer like you like mm. are trying to get the best answer you can like too many variables basically or yeah like changing you, variables yeah if you think about all the possible combinations mm. of like well, how how can I pair up these 20 things with these 20 other things? That's a huge number. It, it grows factorially. So then there's not enough like time in the universe basically to like look through all of those th- options. So what do you do? Um, there's like tricks we can play to like not explore p- things that won't be fruitful. Um, and and that the purely just the assignment problem, I think has been like, solved but once you allow them to start being able to be shifted with that constant bias now you're like it's an mp hard problem and so there's no way to guarantee that you're within that that you actually are at like the true perfect answer there's always going to be like a margin of error there yeah to reduce it yeah you're trying to reduce it and especially like i'm trying to give back not just like the best answer but like a big stack of the best answers so i'd want to give back like the uh, the n number of like um yeah like the of the best answers i don't think i can actually say like hard numbers of what i'm supposed to like give but like mm-hmm. yeah like if there's yeah there's yeah it's a really cool problem i fell in love with it i thought about it day in day out for a long time there were other cool problems that i spent months on i definitely think i've like projected math problems more than i've projected clients <laughs> to answer your question yeah do you think they occupy more like space in your head than boulders i don't think so okay i i i, I think it's pretty equal <laughs> oh wow nice. i think it's wow. pretty equal like i get nice. fascinated by the math but i also think like my brain will get tired like i'm not mm. like i think i'm do you think bouldering is a easier thing to wrap your head around yeah and it's like it's a better place to put your angst i think mm. you can just sort of like i feel like i can actually be angry and do climbs mm-hmm. or be sad and do climbs mm. or be happy and do climbs mm. when in math i'm like a more or less robotic mm. It like I there's brief moments of like ecstasy where like you have those eureka moments, but most of the time you're like really methodical, mm. really calculated. You and have to be I, sort of unemotional. Yeah, and I'm and I'm not the. I don't think I, by any means I'm like the. Like, I think I'm 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 probably math about as hard as I climb. So I'm like good, but I'm not like the best. So I feel like in both areas it's like nice to like 
like it's good to like be able to switch gears because like I'll be doing math and I'll be around people. I'm like, oh wow, like these people are the real crushers. Like mm. these are the V15 bros. <laughs> I like I need to go. I need to go take some time and remind myself that I'm more than just a mathematician. Because like if I measure myself against these other really amazing mathematicians, then I'm not like not the the best of the best. And then I go and then I need like break from climbing because I'm like, oh like I'm I'm doing well. I'm getting better, but like I'm still not like the cream of the crop. At least I have this other thing going on. Mm. Yeah. I feel like it helps me like get space from the thing when I'm like getting too much in that mode of like comparison. Cause I don't know, I don't know how much the comparison actually like, it doesn't help me feel any joy. Mm-hmm. I think I like get motivated by like having some amount of comparison. But if I like stay there and like um, obsess about it, then it, 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 there's like diminishing returns. Like it can help you to, it, it helps me to like, know that there are other people out there that can do things and it makes me like also want to do them you feel inspired i feel inspired and i feel pushed and i feel pressure Mm -hmm. and i think all those things can be good but if i stay and focus on just that comparative aspect of it then it's just like yeah it's just like climbing or anything yeah anything and it's just like it's also like statistically really unlikely that you're gonna be like the top dog like it's not that unlikely that you're gonna that you if you work hard that you could be like good that Mm -hmm. you could be elite in a way but to be yanya like there's only one yanya you're not gonna like you're just like Mm -hmm. at this point i have enough data that i'm not gonna be yanya at math or climbing (laughs) it's like yeah yeah 27 years you were but then you know you take yanya into a different like discipline or whatever that she's never tried before and she's a hundred percent specialist yeah 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 just like you with math or with Maddie with math or whatever. Yeah. And I think I, that's like, I definitely think like I specialized a little, I've specialized in math, but because I also like have given so much time to climbing, I think that like, I am, I am a little bit like, I have like two horses in this race, I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've definitely been like balancing the two passions or three passions. Cause I also think I really like love like people like I think I have like mm. I put a lot of my time and energy mm. into like like my partner and into my like li- like my family and friends and I think like when I'm weighing those things in my head I'm not like those are the three things I'm constantly balancing it's mm. like the the climbing the math and the people I feel like I'm not that I have friends who would rather go on a climbing trip than like hang out with their significant other. And it really depends on the day for me. Like I don't always like need to go on the climbing trip, mm-hmm. which I, it's not, I, I, that is not ubiquitous throughout climbing. Some people are hundred percent in on this. And I don't think, I don't think that's me. Yeah. Yeah. I feel a lot of, I feel similarly, I feel a lot of relief um, having the podcast to balance my climbing with and have like an artistic and, like a business outlet to pour energy into. It, mm. it takes a lot of pressure off. Mm. Um, and, you know, when you have wins and and mm. climbing, it it feels amazing. And, mm. you know, that can make you feel a little bit better about the work you do. And then when you have a win with, you know, when I have a great interview or something, I, mm. I that, that carries over and I feel less pressure with my climbing. And um, I can't remember who it was. I think, I think it was someone on a Tim Ferriss or maybe Tim Ferriss himself, but I remember him describing how he always tries to have like three different 
things that he's putting energy into, like one physical thing, whether it's a training goal or a new sport or new activity, um, an artistic thing, mm. and then like an intellectual or a business sort of thing. Mm. And um, I really liked, I, I really liked that. I thought that was interesting. And I, I, I kind of have two in one with the podcast. It feels artistic and expressive, but also um, it's fun to be a geek and try to figure out the business side of it and grow it. And totally, yeah, ba balance. I guess. I mean. It, you know, nothing, nothing against being a specialist at all, but no. And I, I think, I think there's also something that I've, I, I really agree with that. I think my, like my mom really pushed us to, to be like, to have like an artistic aspect of our lives and like the intellectual piece, like school is really hard and we always had to be doing a sport. So I think that like those things, like I really resonate with like having those sort of three things going at the same time. I think something that I've learned as I've gotten closer to like my max on certain aspects of my life is that you don't necessarily have to do them all at the same time. Mm. Like there are seasons to life. Like when I'm in Rocklands, I think it's like good to like really go all out on climbing. Like it's okay to get worse at math while I'm here. <laughs> like I've been trying to study for some preliminary exams that I have to take to keep qualifying to be in my PhD program when I get back. And that's been good. But like in my head, I'm like, oh, I studied a lot before I got here. Like I'm, I'm in Rocklands, like time to be a climber. Mm -hmm. um, and the same thing goes like when I'm going through like a heart, like some, when I'm in the PhD, I'm like this, like I am here to be a mathematician. Like if my climbing slips, that's okay. Um, I feel like the art, it's really, I'm envious that you feel that you get to have like a art being part of your work. I think that the, Math can be creative, but it's so analytical. And I think there, those moments of inspiration are brief. I've been trying to like find more artistic aspects in my life. I like, when I was an undergrad, I was really into poetry, like a lot of angsty teenagers are. And I was like the poetry editor for my arts journal at my college for two years. Nice. And I liked that a lot. And then since then, my friend... Brett and I made like an art film that had a lot of climbing in it, but I still think like to think of it as more of an art film. Um, we made it for tension. They were really sweet and like helping us make that. It's called Ritual Ceremony. And then this last semester, sort of inspired by you, because I'm Earl and you and Neil Gresham. Oh. I like I I'm a big listener of the podcast, actually. I'm a patron, which is cool. <laughs> um but the Thank you. Uh, yeah. But the um Did you know that? Yeah, he did tell me. Oh, he did tell me like, a couple days ago. Yeah, people should be patrons out there. But the um the yeah, Neil was saying that he did like ballet through the Yes, let's talk about the ballet. Yeah, Neil said he did ballet to be better at high stepping for this like hard alpine trad route for Lexicon. Yeah, yeah that like E11 that he did. Yeah. And I was like I'm bad at high stepping and I'm bad at like being graceful. And I really have always wanted to take a dance class, spe like specifically ballet. Cause like, I remember going, my, one of my ex-girlfriends, she was a ballerina and she took me to see the Houston ballet. And it was like one of my favorite memories with her. I like cried during the ballet. I was like, this is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. And I like really wanted to like be able to do, like feel that as graceful as they looked. And I'm, I ballet at like B one or two, <laughs> like I, I, but I, I took ballet for the first time last semester 
in part to help the climbing, but in part like for the love of like the art of it and like the pursuit of like having that expressive art through your body. And it was really a weird experience because I was, I'm 27. I was the only like, I was one of three men. I was probably the only man of my sexual preference there. And everyone else was like 18 year old freshmen, like girls. And I was just felt so out of place. I felt like this ugly duckling. I had like my, I, I felt like all bro muscled out next to all these like slight, like <laughs> girls trying to like know how to talk the right talk that the, the dancers have their own like lingo and slang and I'm not cool in that space. I don't know. I, and I fell in love with it. It was, it was amazing. I, I stood on my toes for hours. I feel like I can stand on bad feet so much better now. I did not expect <laughs> that. You like, you're just like in releve all the time. You're just, you get so good at like standing on one foot on your toe and then like putting your foot behind your head and doing it really slow. And the posture thinking about my professor talked about like thinking about stacking your three spheres where you're like your first sphere is your hips. And then the second sphere is like right in between your shoulder blades and your chest, like in the middle of your torso. And the last one's your head and like stacking it. And I feel like it's really helped like me be aware of like how my body's aligning when I'm on the rock. So like more intuitively, like less executive function, but more of like, just like knowing if the move feels right. I've said this to a lot of my friends. I feel like ballet is like climbing with all the parts of climbing that I'm good at just stripped away. Mm. Like you can't pull harder. I'm, I love pulling. You, there's no pulling in ballet. You're standing. Like I, I'm bad at standing apparently. Like, <laughs> it's like, how about you stand in this other really hard fucked up way? And I'm like, I can't do that. Like, damn it. <laughs> this 95 pound 17 year old girl is making it look easy. Oh, yeah. But I, I, I loved it. I think it, I would, I, I have so much more respect for the ballerinas. They're amazing. Do you think you'll continue? I'm signed up again. Yeah. <laughs> I, it's also like the right level. Like if you think about it, you're like, what's a good study break? Trying like V13s, you're like, no, that's a terrible study break. That's so hard. But when I go to the climbing gym, like I'm going to, if I'm not trying V13s, if I'm training at a lower intensity, but a higher volume, it's like still this huge energy output. But when I go to climb, like I'm, I'm going to push it. Like I'm training when I go to do, like I can't push it in ballet. Like I'm trying really hard, but like, because I'm so bad at the actual thing, I can only try V2s. So like, Doing V2 is a great study break. You get your blood pumping a little bit. You come back, you feel all inspired and you can do math again. <laughs> You're a little bit more flexible. Your body hurts less. <laughs> like, you know, that's like, it's a great, it's a great way to force yourself to auto-regulate. You're like, is I, I can't train as hard when I'm, when I'm mathing that hard. Yeah. Mm. So ballet is like a great way of making me feel like I'm still like doing something productive and uh, doing something artistic, which has been missing out of my life for a long time. And then also like forcing myself to not crimp all the time, mm. I guess, or, or do something. <laughs> yeah. Just push it. Yeah. You can't push it if you're bad.
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, I mean, it's, it's true. We see that in climbing all the time, right? Like the, the newer climbers that are like flailing on V zeros and ones and twos and stuff. Like, but they go if, seven if, days a week. Yeah. If any of us flailed like that on, on something that was hard for us, we would totally get injured right away. But you, yeah. you can flail like that on V2 seven days a week and it's, yeah, it's okay. Your body can take it because the, because the holds like are big and yeah. is, is lower. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> do you have ballerina goals? Like what, what V grade do you think you could like conceivably achieve in ballet? I think I could be like a V6 ballerina. I really don't think I have like the body type for it or like the proclivity towards it. I think, I don't know if I have like any real goals. I think it's like a nice, and I'm not like sold out on like doing it long-term, I guess. I think it's like a convenient thing to do because the school offers it and they pay for me to take any classes I want. So it's like an, like a nice thing to fill in my day. And it's also just an opportunity, like adult ballet classes are not like prolific. They're, mm -hmm. they're not everywhere. Mm -hmm. So it's like a very unique thing to be doing. Um, and so I'm trying to like take advantage of it while I still have that opportunity. I don't... Yeah, I don't know if it's, if I think about the goals with ballet, it's almost all tied back to climbing. Like doing the ballet feels good and I get that artistic release and that seems to be like the goal in and of itself. And then like the effects of doing it would be to be more graceful on, so that I can take that grace back onto the wall and to be more flexible and mobile, like have that that flexibility at the end range of motion. Mm -hmm. I really think that ballet stresses that. And mm -hmm. that's something that is really hard to do. And if you, but I, something I was really thinking about is like, I want to be able to do those really like high heel hooks that are like far away from my body or be able to stand on my toes in these like really extreme positions. And when I'm mostly just training onto my board, I like, some of those positions I'm just like not training, mm -hmm. but ballet like forces me to have like reps. Like it forces me to have lots of repeatable exercise that I know that I'm like getting into those extreme positions over and over again. And that my body like is adapting to them. I think that that's like par part of the reason to do something like ballet or like yoga where you're like, you're, you know that you're getting the stimulus that you are eventually going to want to use. Like if you mm. come to Rocklands and you haven't, like you've been climbing only on a board, like there are heel hooks and heel coat jams and like these weird split moves. And it's really 3D climbing. Like all of those things are put weird stresses on your connective tissue and musculature. And like, you don't have to get, you don't have to be resilient to those things by doing those things necessarily, like leading up to your trip. Like I think you can train for those things by, like you can be like really meticulous in the way that Matt Fultz is, where I feel like he is just like hitting like exercises to put his body in those positions like all the time by like basically just like stratifying all the movements that he thinks he's going to put himself in and then like doing exercises in those movements. Or you can be like a little bit more laid back and easygoing and do something like ballet or yoga where you're like, I'm going to get enough of those movements mm. in these activities and maybe get a little bit of mindfulness out of it as well. Mm. And I think for me, like not being a professional climber, I think that that's like more what I 
what I'd rather do. Yeah. Um, at least with some of my time, although I, I probably still do a lot of what Fultz tells, would tell me to do. Do you still work with him? <laughs> Not regularly. I like, I have given him a couple phone calls and I, I, I've like, I paid him for a consultation once this last year and he's also been nice enough to like, we're like, I, I think we're friends. <laughs> I mean, we, I, ta- I, t- I text him and he texts me and I, I really love the guy. He and his wife are beautiful people in a lot of ways. And I mean, he's been a good person in my life. He's been trying to get me to go out to Idaho. He's He just bought a house out there and um, he wants, I mean, I, I lived in Idaho for a while. Mm. Um, my grandfather um, used to own a house up there before he died. And so I would like, I did, I developed some boulders in high school up in Idaho. Um, and like Fultz also has been climbing in that area and some other areas. The, the area I've gone to is not the Swan Falls. It's like more in the mountains um, near McCall, Idaho. And um, it's, I mean, it's good climbing. It's hard to, I haven't been as inclined to go to Idaho lately because the the family is no longer there. So I'd be like going out mostly, I have like a cousin in Boise. So I, that hopefully will come in the next few years, mm. I guess, to like go see the, that cousin and also Fultz. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's cool though. I, um, that brings us back around because I, I want to I wanted talk about, <clears throat> you kind of teased us with this earlier, but um, working with Matt and Haley and kind of discovering like how to, mm, not, not how to make the most of, but like realizing like, oh, I already have all these amazing qualities that are serving me in my climbing. Mm. Um, but then you've also like been on this epic crimping journey and have really worked on your weaknesses and have gotten to a point where like you've climbed a lot of really hard crimp boulders. Like you already mentioned space between cars yeah. and then, uh, evil backwards and nothing but sunshine also V13 in Colorado. Mm. Um, those are hard test piece crimp boulders. Yeah, I think so. What, what's, how, how do you, how do you think about that or how have you, um, what has your approach looked like in the last few years as far as doubling down on strengths and using the body that you have and getting the most out of it, balancing that with, um, with working on your crimp strength and working on weaknesses. Yeah. I haven't really thought a lot about like until, oh, pardon me. I'm sorry. I should, (laughs) we're going to edit that one out (laughs) one second. Um, is there more? There might be. (laughs) You have more to say on that topic? Oh my God, are you Sorry. okay? I'm dying apparently. That sounded wet. Mm. Gross. Yeah, it's not wet, but okay. it's still gross. Um, sure? Yeah, I'm sure. Um, I have a lot of climbing partners in Colorado who love crimping and like I love them. And so I think that's <laughs> been part of like my journey. Like part of it has been like, I want to try the same boulders as these people. Mm. And then, and that's a piece of it. And then the other piece of it is I think I really like doing things that I once felt were impossible. Like, I think that's like one of the best feelings. Like, um, so like evil backwards, I think is, since we already talked about the space between cars, like evil backwards was like important because like I've tried it like for six years and every year it felt like a little bit more possible until Mm -hmm. I did it. And I think for me with my psychology, 
that really makes me feel like I'm going somewhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, and then I'm doing mm-hmm. something with my life. <laughs> yeah. I'm being somebody, <laughs> trying to be somebody. But like the, uh, it, I think that the, yeah, the crimping journey, I think part of it, I th- I, got, I got a lot of ins- inspiration from Fultz because we are very similar sizes of people. I'm a little bit smaller and a little bit heavier. So not exactly the same, but pretty, pretty similar body types. And I think his wife really taught me basically just like how to eat a, like a healthy diet. And it, in a lot of ways, I think this happens for many young people where they just don't realize that you should be eating vegetables all the time. I just wasn't eating vegetables and I wasn't like eating three square meals a day, especially with like this, I would get so into the math that I would like forget to eat in the middle of the day. And she she just was like, cut that out. And we like, it, it was, I feel like a lot of what she told me was really common sense stuff. And it was just the accountability mm. to like make it happen. And I thought that was good. And then I think Fultz was really in, encouraging in that like we would do, I would like do workouts and he would say things like, well, like that's like as good as me or like I beat him to the, we were doing like the off the ground training stuff with the block and I beat him to 200 pounds on the, like I could pick up 200 pounds with one hand before he did. And I was like, oh wow, like I'm like crimping hard. Like I'm, maybe I'm heavier than Fultz, but like, like I'm, I'm crimping like this guy that does everything. And so once I had, like, I felt like I was getting data and he was like really enforcing, just being like, we have, this like quantitative thing that's giving you confidence. Like you don't need to like limit the types of problems you're trying because like we know that you're pound for pound as as good as as good as it can get. Mm. And I mean, in this last year, like I had some. I mean, I don't know if people are interested in like the raw statistics or or like the the metrics. Oh yeah, let's oh, go. People are sure. Okay, so like I I've done like. Okay, one of the main things that I think is like an amazing, that, that one of the main things I still do that helps a lot is I think that that, like to get that explosiveness back, like after doing some of those, like doing heavier lifts, I'll do like as one of the workouts that Fultz throws in a lot or used to throw in a lot when he was training me was like as many pull-ups as you can do in a minute. Like you'll do a lot of climbing and then you'll do as many pull-ups as you can do in a minute. And then there'll be different perturbations. Sometimes it's like, as many pull-ups as you can do in 30 seconds or something. Um, and they're not, they don't have to be like strict pull-ups. And when I do them really fast, I'm almost like pushing out from the bar and then pulling in. I'm like mm-hmm. going so fast. That I'm just like, bah, 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 bah. it almost looks like I'm like bench pressing, but like my body's just like horizontal to the bar. Hmm. And I like, I don't know if it's like the most effective thing to be doing, but when I'm, I'm really good at it apparently because Fultz and I, Fultz says that he, when he's feeling really good, he's like in like the upper forties. And when I'm feeling really good, like I did like 58 in a minute or something. And that like, they're not strict pull-ups. Like, I don't think I'm like, I'm completely locking out and going like completely dead shoulder and then up. Um, I'm definitely like doing a little bit of cheating, I would say, but it, I don't think- 58 pull-ups in a minute? In a minute. You can do 58 pull-ups in a row? Or are you like putting your feet on the ground and shaking out? Uh, You're allowed to get down and shake out. I usually shake out around like 45. And then I'll Holy go get another shit. 10 and then another like three or four. Wow. Yeah. When I'm feeling like really good. And that's like, 
I'm like Holy really good. Yeah. I'm like <laughs> really good. Pull I'm like, 45 pull-ups in a row. Yeah. And if I like do them strict and I don't have a time limit, like I can do like 45 in a row. Like, Holy like, shit. Wow. Like strict. Wow. Holy shit. Like I'm really good at pulling. My hands are usually the thing that like hold me back from doing boulders, I think. How'd you get so good at pulling? I'm made for it. Just genetics. I think I think it, I think I'm like made for it. You like, never I, trained pull-ups. Like I don't I mean, I mean, I have, have trained, I have yeah, trained but, pull-ups for but sure. But the like first th- time you ever tried to do pull-ups, you did 45 in a row or? No. no. Like I think, I think when I was like a kid, I could do like 15 or something, like 10 or 15. When I was, I, my pull-up max, like rep max peaked at 12. <laughs> I could do like 35 or something without really trying or training or anything. When you were 12. Yeah, now I can't even come close to that. I can't. I certainly can't do forty-five. When was the last time you tried to see how many pull-ups you could do? It's been years for me. Yeah, I don't, years. I don't remember the last time. No, I don't know. I think last time I was like at twenty, twenty-one or two. That seems that's impressive. All you, that's to all me. you need to climb hard. I don't like. I think. I don't think that it like really. I felt like a huge difference in like my climbing ability. From but it. But it helped you. What I'm hearing is like. Some of these things helped you. The velocity pulls ch- change the narrative. Like, oh, I'm I'm better at some of these things than Matt Fultz. Mm. Why am I limiting myself in what I think I can? Climb? Yeah, exactly. And I feel like Fultz. Yeah, like I think overall Fultz is still like a machine compared to me. But there were like some instances where I was be, like Fultz would like let me in on some knowledge and be like, No, Nick, like you're like just as good or better than me at this type of thing that's really climbing specific. So like, you need to like, like you can do this. I felt like that really helped me. Um, yeah, and the last, yeah. And I, I've, I've been really diligent, like in the crimping journey, like I should probably like focus on the questions you're asking. But like <laughs> in, in, the, in the in the crimping journey, I've been like really diligent about hangboarding like all the time. I don't, I, I really, my like pseudoscience answer is just like, you need to be constantly telling, like giving your body stimulus that it it needs to be crimping. And like doing it on the wall only for me doesn't seem to be a recipe for success. I usually get hurt. I think that like having those, having days where like I only hangboard or I only lift and hangboard, like let's, like there's no velocity with a hangboard exercise. You're just statically loading your hands. And I I change up what type of hangboarding I'm doing a lot um, of the time, uh, uh, mostly doing bilateral hangs, but whether I'm doing like, I, I mean, I listen to people on this podcast and I read, I read Ned Haley's book and I've, I've done things that Matt Foltz tells me to do and things that Bill England tells me to do. And it doesn't seem to really matter too much as long as you're like changing it up enough mm. and I, and have done it for long enough. Like I remember when I was in college, I like was wanted to start hangboarding and I talked to Will Anglin because he was working at the gym at the time. And I was like, what should I do? And he's like, he's like, honestly, it doesn't matter. It just means that it, it just matters that you like never stop. Mm. Like you're gonna you're you're gonna get good at this in like eight years. I was like, I was <laughs> yeah. like, I was like, fuck. I was like, fuck. <laughs> I was like, God damn it. Like, I want to climb hard now. And he's like, you're not going to climb hard for a long time. I was like, I was like, I was like, I was like, oh, I was like, oh okay. And, yeah, and yeah. I, I mean, then that's like what worked though. It's like, it's been like nine years since I probably had that conversation with Will. And I wow. like more or less haven't like stopped hangboarding. Um, 
Do, uh, did, do you always do it a certain number of times a week or do you just kind of go from one program to the next and it, like, are you doing it out here on a, on a climbing trip? I, I like, I use the, it's a, the flashboard to like warm up in the morning or like warm, yeah, warm up when I start climbing and I haven't been like hangboarding while I'm like out here. Cause I feel like there's just so much I'm, I'm climbing so yeah, much, yeah. Yeah. but like I, and I usually like rule of thumb is like, I at least hangboard once a week. Um, and then as I'll like cycle in getting up to like more than that, maybe up to like, I don't think I, in my head, I don't go above like two or three times a week, but in reality, like I use the hangboard to warm up and some of my hangboard warmups could be like nine year old, like nine years ago could have been a workout for me. Mm. So take that with a grain of salt. Mm -hmm. I don't think I'm quite like, at Ned Fahaley level, like he was saying that he hangboards for like an hour or something. And I was like, that's some crackhead shit. Like that's, <laughs> I was like, that sounds like a terrible idea. Um, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to remember. Yeah, he's got a cool approach. He like, he I, he, he always alternates through different things that, that he's doing. He always has like a mix of stuff going on and alternates through programs and stuff. Well, and I, I need to like walk back what I said because I like read his book and part of what I think got me so close to doing my crimp project in Colorado was to like do some of the things he said. Like I, I, I did those like longer duration heavy hangs, like the 20 second long hangs, which it's just like you can't do them. I don't think I can do them for more than like four or six weeks. And then I need to like take a break because mm. I I get like deep fatigue from that. But that helped a lot. And he also was said that like he would like do a head like he would like do a hangboard workout before he would go to his project. And I remember being like, You're gonna do like a strength workout before you go and try and crimp on rock. And then I tried it out and it helped a ton. Like my fingers mm. were like ready to go yeah they were like ready to go and i also felt like sometimes when you're actually projecting and you're giving like you're giving bottom burns like you're only going to give maybe 10 of them if you're like a stud probably less for me and that's not actually like that much climbing mm -hmm. so knowing that you're going to get that stimulus that training stimulus of like oh like i'm going to like get these reps in and I know this is going to make my fingers stronger. I feel like that gate, like that made me feel like I was not wasting my time when I went projecting, which was kind of nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I remember this spring I, um, I was doing like the Matt Foltz OTGs and I would, one day I would do, uh, like a five by five mm -hmm. and then a different day of the week I would do, um, his repeaters, like 10 on, 10 on, 10 off repeaters. Yeah. And those like really felt like they worked me super hard. Yes, they do. And, uh, but I, I got used to them. I was doing that and then going out to Moe's Valley and trying hard climbs out there. Yeah. And I remember the first couple of times I did that 10 on, 10 off workout, I was like totally crushed, but I don't know, the third or fourth time I did that and then went out and sent a show of hands. Mm. I was like, holy shit, like you really you really adapt and like I just my fingers felt like really warmed up and firing and that's a pretty crimpy boulder and yep it, it kind of like changed how I think about like needing to be fresh for for a hard project and as you like I think all of it really just scales with where you're at in your climbing because if you're new to climbing and you haven't hangboarded that much, then hangboarding before you go and try your project is not that good of an idea. But I'm like, 
almost like 20 years into climbing and I've hangboarded for like almost 10 of them. And so my body can just take, like it's adapted to a lot. Um, and so having a hangboard workout actually just like isn't that much load if you keep it short enough and before your project. Mm -hmm. Like you're not really doing that much work. Mm -hmm. you, yeah, relative to like where you're at now. Yeah, yeah. I know that you just said that you've like tried to tons of things. They all kind of worked, but um, what are, do you have like, do you have go-tos? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I've you heard, I've heard I this. Yeah. The go-to, I think, <laughs> oh, okay. I do. I like repeaters. I, I switch up whether it's like the 10 on 10 off or like 10 on five off, five on five off. Um, seven on three off, like all depending on what types of problems I'm trying. I feel like if it's like really endurancy, I'll go for something where it's like less hang time or more hang time, less rest. Um, and I'll add weight to make me like, to make, I, I'm, I'm usually always doing like 10 hangs per set. And then I'm usually trying to like fail somewhere in the ninth or 10th like hang. Mm. Um, and I, and I'll that's like, a lot, that's a lot of reps. Yeah. And I'll, I'll like usually, yeah. And the, two hands, two, hand? two hands. Yeah. And then I, I just haven't been like, I'm not that good at hanging with one hand. So I think mm -hmm. it's, I'm, I'm really bad at it until this year. Like I wasn't really capable of doing one hand. So I've been starting to add that in more. And then, well, that's sorry to, I don't, I don't mean to derail you, but that's interesting. Cause it, you know, if you're lifting like 200 pounds off the ground, yeah. what, what is that? Like, what's the difference? Is it a shoulder <sighs> scapular thing maybe, or what's the difference when you're trying to hang one, one arm? Cause you obviously well, have the finger strength for it. I think like I could like, I could lift 200 pounds like off the ground one time. But if you're trying to like work in that like happy RPE eight mm -hmm. zone where you're like, I can do this five times five, 10 times. Like I can't pick up 200 pounds 10 times. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I can do it one time. It's mm -hmm. like a one rep max. I, I feel like, like now at this stage of my climbing, like body weight is body weight or body weight minus like five pounds is like close to that RPA, like eight range for mm -hmm. when I'm doing like those strength workout, like the heavier hang stuff, which I think I, I'll, I usually will try and do like four, to six weeks of something similar, like something more intense than just like a repeater. Like I think of the repeater as more of like building stamina in some way. And I think of like, there are like max hangs, whether they're bilateral or with one hand or like the long duration max hangs that Ned Fahaley talked about. I'll like work in those like once, maybe twice a week for like a, a four or six week cycle. And then I'll, I'll work and then I'll deload from that for a while to like, I get, I honestly get really stressed near the end of like the four to six week cycle of like starting to work in some like heavier hangs. Cause I'm just like, my tendons have been like stretched for so many times over this. I know that like in the long term, it's what's needed to make them get thicker, but like, and I usually like start feeling a little fatigued, especially on the board. Um, like as I get to the end of one of those cycles where I'm really hitting the finger strength uh, he heavy and I don't, 
maybe I'm just like a stressy guy. Maybe that's just like part of being like the mathematician. I'm like calculating my head. I'm like, oh, I don't know how many more like, like things I have in my fingers, you know, like I, maybe this is like when they pop. Uh, and so far I haven't had like any like big pulley things. I've like broken a finger one time and I've hurt. I like seem to be able to, the way that I crimp is like really back three dominant. And so I like, I'll get like collateral ligament stuff on my middle fingers and both the DIP and PIP joints. Okay. That's like the most like chronic thing that I, I get is just like irritation through the, like the side of the finger. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it's, it sounds like it's, <clears throat> sounds like it's a mix. Yeah, it's a mix. Yeah, there's there's lots of different too. ingredients going in that, going on in there. And I think it's really like I think that the guiding force is always like over 9 years it's you're going to try lots of different things out and there are like specific like I think if there's one thing like what if I was to like some of my buddies have asked me to like write them like a training plan or something like that for a few week for a, a period to like get there get themselves a little bit stronger. And the thing that I usually tell people to try if they haven't done a lot of, they've done some hangboarding, like they've done repeaters and they would like to start trying something else. I just tell them what Will Anglin told me, which is you do five hangs, six on, 10 off, and you do it usually in half crimp mostly. And if you want to add in like full crimp or open hand crimp, like I, you, you can. And I, you just at progressively add more weight like throughout the month. And like eventually, and I, I, that seems to be like a really good, that's the one that I return to the most. Mm. I Multiple sets or just? Usually around five sets. Okay. Yeah, and I usually do like two or three of those in half crimp and then one or two of those in open like three finger drag or four finger drag or full crimp, like depending on what I've been working on. Um, but mostly in the half crimp position. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I depends on, I've gone, I've tried to do it on the 15 mil and the 20 mil. I usually work on the 20 mil cause I think it's like more repeatable. Like that hold feels similar, more similar, like more times the 15 mil, depending on the day feels terrible or it feels oh. fine. Interesting. Yeah. Like sometimes I'm like, this is a bad hold. And other times I'm like, I can do one on pull-ups on this hold. And you're mm. like, that's not the same at all. Mm -hmm. Like th this is not a repeatable exercise. Yeah. Um, yeah. So do you spend time on micros at all? Or do you think you get a lot of that out of your, your home wall? Cause I, I think, <sighs> yeah, I had, um, I've talked about it a lot, but I, when I had my home wall in bend, um, and had a really successful training season on it, I was combining like, half crimp max hangs, I think on a 20 and mm. doing some smaller holds as well on the hangboard, but not a ton. But then I was climbing on a ton of small holds and I felt like I was building the deeper base of strength and like immediately applying it. Mm. And that combination felt really good. Yeah. I've played around with the micros. They just hurt like the Dickens, I think. <laughs> like, <laughs> I feel like if I have like boulders where pain is a crux, like skin pains or crux, then I'll spend some time on the micros like before I go into that. Mm. Um, yeah, but not routinely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the board seems to be 
like having the mental fortitude to like grab a bad hold and then pull on that bad hold seems to be something where it's more effective to do that like on the wall than off the wall. Mm. Yeah. Because I think there's like, even if you just go back to like sort of the seminal work of Ava Lopez, like it's, it seems like it's better to get heavier on bigger edges in general than to go down an edge size. Mm -hmm. And that mm -hmm. the gains you get from edge size are like more neurological. Um, yeah. I, I think that that's, that's what I'd say about yeah. that. Yeah. Would you do that Will Anglin workout before, when would you do that? Would you do it before going climbing or before trying the project or on a separate day with lifting on, or? On a separate day with lifting. I okay. think that one's like, I, I the one, the one I, I would do, I did, would do Ned Fahaley's like long duration, like just like two or three reps of the long duration max hangs, like after a really good finger warm up of like, I would like usually do like a density hang warm up for a while. I find I love the density hangs. I like part of me thinks I might have like overdone it because I was like doing it like three to five times a week to like warm up. Wow. Doing but, like longer, like what, 30 second or? Yeah, I would try and do like 30 breaths on the 20 mils and then like 20 breaths on the 15s and then like 10 on the 10s or something like that. Wow. <laughs> and so, and that would be like every, like part of, and sometimes I'd start with like bigger edge sizes to like get warmer. And as my, when my finger got hurt, I had to like take out the 10 mils. Mm. Um, but yeah, it, I think that that really, I think some of my, that's like a lot of hanging. And I think I might have, I think I overcooked that. I don't know if I will do that five times a week ever again. <laughs> but I, I really, I would like do that density hang warm up and then I would do like the long duration max hangs for like two or three reps before I'd go try the project. project. Yeah, and I thought that really felt like my, I wasn't tired, but I was like, I was ready to go. Mm. Yeah. And I, I have like different pull-up stuff and like shoulder warm ups that I would do as well. Um, and then I've been working in, I, Matthias and I, Matthias is one of my friends that I'm living with here. And he's uh, this Australian physio and also an amazing climber. And he and I have been really in, like, we've been warm up kings, I feel like this year. We like do all <laughs> these different leg swings and like squat stuff. And like, I, I feel like I warm up my legs almost more than my arms here in Rocklands where mm -hmm. I'm just like getting my, my hamstrings ready to not pop, man. Like every time... You're like, I'm going to put this heel in my throat and it's going to be canned and I'm going to jump off of it. And you're like, what are you doing? That sounds like a terrible idea. Um, but it's the beta. <laughs> <laughs> Got to do it. <laughs> Got to do it. <clears throat> yeah. We lost Ethan with all the hangboarding talk. Sorry. <laughs> I went somewhere else. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I was here. I was listening. Nick trains a lot. Yeah. Nick has trained a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I've trained, I trained less this last year, I think, because I don't live in Fort Collins anymore where my home wall is. Um, I live in Boulder during the week, so I've been mostly climbing outside. Whose home is your home wall in? I own my home. Oh, I see. So, yeah, I bought the home in 2020 and moved the wall there. And then I have a couple that lives with us. They rent a room, and then my partner... And I rent the other, or I guess not rent. I own the other, the house, but like we pay for the other half of the house. Yeah. 
Nice. Sweet yeah. deal. But you're staying near Eldo. I do stay near Eldo. Do you want to talk about that? <laughs> Let's talk about it. I have to pee. I have to pee too. Can we take a break? Pause. Let's pause. Can I pee outside? If you're going to pee inside, I'll just walk <laughs> There around. are two bathrooms. Oh, then I'll do that. I'm just going to leave everything going. Okay. And we will be right back. This episode is brought to you by Rumple. My Rumple blanket is literally one of my favorite things I own. It's so cozy. It's like having the coziness of a puffy sleeping bag with you wherever you go. Check out this story. On a surf and ski trip through California, the founders of Rumple got stuck in the back of their car in freezing temperatures and had to bundle in their sleeping bags and sip whiskey to stay warm while they waited for rescue cozy and warm in their sleeping bags, they realized they were even cozier than they typically were in their beds at home. The idea for a sleeping bag blanket was born. Rumpel's original puffy blanket is made of the same materials as your favorite outdoor gear. It pairs durable 20D ripstop nylon with a durable water repellent finish. So it's water resistant, stain resistant, and odor resistant. This thing is the best. As I said, it's the coziest blanket you could ask for. Perfect for staying warm at the boulders or at the crag. Great for camping. I have one in my van and use it all the time. And just great to have around the house. It'll be your new favorite blanket, full stop, whatever the circumstances. Go to rumple.com slash nugget and use code nugget at checkout to get 10% off your order. That's 10% off your first order when you go to rumple.com slash nugget and use code nugget at checkout. And now back to the show. We're back. <clears throat> We're back. After the pee break. Okay. You want to talk about the trailer? Let's yeah. definitely talk about that. Okay. Um, and then... I also want to circle back to the home wall and mm. pick your brain about like mm. key components of a good spray wall because your home wall is sick. Thanks, man. Yeah. And then I'll go make breakfast when you guys talk. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. There you go. So, but yeah. Can I say something real quick? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That whole time when Nick, I, I'm like very <laughs> sore today and very tired mm -hmm. from surfing yesterday. Mm -hmm. And um, that whole time that Nick was talking about mobility and ballet classes i just felt i was like oh my god i'm so sore and tight and unbalanced my body just feels so crunk today <laughs> and the more he talked about ballet and mobility the more sore and crunk and tight i feel <laughs> and then he was talking and then you guys were talking about training and training for the last nine years and i was like i feel sore and crunk and tired and now i feel lazy too so <laughs> So thanks for that. <laughs> oh, whatever. I feel like <laughs> if I had the freedom to mo climb, to not tr to like not train, like you train because you don't have the opportunity to climb all the time. Mm. Like, yeah, mm -hmm. I think it like it fast tracked me to like if I had not trained and like I had come to Rocklands, I would not be doing what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Still gone. We're yeah, good. still good. Okay, mm -hmm. but yeah. Yeah, maybe let's talk about the home wall first then. Okay. Yeah, the that's like maybe a good segue. Okay. I think the What's your what's your crimp boulder project? It's like Is it the Sam Rockstein thing? It's, it's a project project. It's, right? Yeah, it's a secret. Oh, okay. I'm trying to keep it secret for a little longer. Yeah, it's something I found. Um Yeah, it's 
it's hard. It's probably, it's probably like, it would be the hardest thing I've done. It's long too. It's like 14 moves or something. Mm. Or, yeah, 14 moves and then a hard top out. So you have videos to be 14? It's gotta be that or harder. Sick. Yeah. Can you show yeah. us videos later? I'll show you the videos later. Yeah. <laughs> it's very cool. But have you the, tried the Sam Rock, Rockstein thing, the um, Andromeda yeah, or whatever? Yeah, I've done the stand start okay. to that. That was something that I was planning on trying to do before. And I, my thought was that I was like, do that before I went to Rocklands and then come out here. And and then I was like, oh, I can't cramp and this boulder's like crimpy. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a, that's boulder's amazing. Uh, that boulder is a, a bitch to get to. Mm. Like, I love it up there, but I like, even living in Fort Collins, like I go and camp there because it's like wow. a two hour drive. And then it's like, an hour and 15 hike Oof. to the boulder. I have a, we have, we like, luckily there's like a great place to stash pads. So there's like, we're going to edit this part out. Yeah. <laughs> no stashing pads. <laughs> definitely don't do that. No one does that. Nobody, nobody ever does that. Yeah. I totally don't have that. pads stashed all over Rocklands right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it's like, yeah. And I, that, that's pretty cool. Like I will like, there's like a, a longer way in that you can bike in and I'll like e-scooter in, which I think is pretty fun. Oh, do you want to, do you want to do that later? Yeah. We got to talk about the e-scooter, man. We got a lot to talk. We about. got a lot to talk about. Okay. Let's one, focus one on thing at a time. Okay. So <laughs> I was talking, okay. So Ethan was bemoaning that he feels tired and now he feels lazy. And I was saying that I, and immobile and immobile and crunk and crunk, whatever that is. And then like, <laughs> I, I was saying that like, if you have the freedom to climb all the time, that's probably what I would be doing. And I think that training for, in my mind has like really gotten me to have like the prerequisite, like, um, base materials to climb hard, but then I don't have like the skill aspect of the sport to the same level. Mm. Like if you think about like the amount of pull-ups I can do, like I've done I've done two pull-ups in a row with my body weight attached. I've done, I can do like, I've done like five or six one arms in a row. And I've, I've hung on a 20 mil with like 198 pounds added with two hands. Like those are, those are like stronger than you need to climb AP. Like there are people that climb V13 and definitely can't do that. And then, so that's like why I've turned to things (laughs) like ballet to try and get my movement up. Because I think I'm relatively like an uncoordinated person for like how how well I've been climbing on the wall. I'm not as coordinated. I'm not as movement fluent. And I think that's really why I built the home wall in the way that I built the home wall. I felt like I wasn't getting, some of it was just the necessities of COVID. Like there wasn't, there weren't gyms. So I built a home wall, but I really came in with like the intentionality of like, I'm going to make this home wall to address the parts of my climbing movement that are lacking. And I really think that for me, that's like pretty closed hand grip types and really poor feet. I'm like, I have kind of like stubby toes. I have like fat toes. And so it's, I think it's hard for me to be precise with my toe. And I also, because I'm heavier, I like have to put weight into my feet. Like I I really have gotten to the, I went like probably two years on my home wall. And this is hilarious because I've just been dinoing out here in Rocklands, but like 
there was like, there were so many boulders where it's like, if you took your foot off, you lost. Like if your mm. foot cuts, you lose. You lost the game. And it's like the war, it was about like, I need, I need to be able to like manipulate my body into using these like weird boxes with higher feet or really low feet and the feet need to be bad. And I just felt like all the commercial gyms, the feet were always too good or cutting was just the best option. And in the Colorado style, like evil backwards, like the space between cars, there's like maybe a couple specific parts of those boulders where a foot cut is necessary, but every other part of it, it is like absolutely paramount that I kept my feet on. Cause I just, I didn't have the margin. I just don't have the margin to hold on to holds that bad without putting more weight into my feet. Um, so that's something I really focused on. It was so fun. I felt like I, maybe I should walk back that I, I'm climbing only on the home wall by myself. I feel like something that my partner brought up that I should like hi, highlight in this talk is just that we really like climbing has like facilitated in a lot of ways, like facilitated that like community aspect of my life. And I feel like a lot of people came around to like make the home wall happen. Mm. Like I had whether it was like Will Anglin and Roy Quanstrom who are tension guys, they like helped me get holds for cheap and or for free. And then they they helped me with the first permutation of setting it. They like gave me and my buddies, my like friends that also climbed at CSU, they gave me like a little pep talk over Zoom during COVID. We're like, you want to think about this and that. Um, don't be putting the same type of hold in the same orientation in the same sector. Um, and so that all helped. And then also I had this like great experience with my friends from Fort Collins, like James Hada and Cal Grafeo and Jess Walker. And we all built the wall together and we set it together. And my friend of oh, Jeremy Abraham was my roommate at the time. And he helped a lot too. And we, like it was like this big community event where we like we had our little pod in covid and we were all like trying to like build the board to specifically make us into the types of people that could do the climbs you were dreaming of mm. i thought that was a beautiful part of the home wall that's super cool um and when i when the interest rates got really low in 2020 i was like this is my chance to buy a home in colorado and I like found this house that has an attached porch. It's like, a, it has like a lofted ceiling with this giant um, two two by 12s through the middle of the ceiling. And I was like, that's like insane. This is a place that you could build a climbing wall, like and it's right outside my kitchen. And so I bought the house in large part before this space. It's like a great location. It's close to downtown Fort Collins, but and it also just like facilitates having this like amazing lifestyle. Like when I would have this like job that I enjoyed and then have this like place, this like little like solace of Valhalla right outside my door. <laughs> and um, yeah, I mean, and to this day, like there's still like sort of like a core group of people that come over and climb. A lot of the people I mentioned don't live in Fort Collins anymore. Um, there's like a sort of newer crew that comes. Um, my roommate, she has like girls night. And so there's like a, a contingent of really strong women that were coming every Wednesday. And that was like kind of sick. I would be like in my 
up in Boulder, up in my trailer and be like, oh, wow, there's like all these like girl crushers at my house, like getting down on Valhalla. This is badass. <laughs> like there's like community happening in this space. And I, I feel really blessed to have, to like be able to like be a part of that like sort of home wall community in Fort Collins. I think it's really special. And I, I've been, it's, whether it's like having other people to make up problems that challenge you in a way that you wouldn't have challenged yourself or even just like honestly it's just like having a reason for people to come over to your house i feel like millennials young people like we it's it can be if you're not going to a brewery you're like kind of like not hanging out with other people and i, I don't think that's supernatural i think that humans are supposed to be like living with each other and being in each other's spaces and the home walls really facilitated like bringing lots of beautiful people into my home. And I love that. Nice, man. Yeah. That's cool. I like how you've done it. Like the, are you at a point where like the home walls fixed? Like it's not going to change much because all the holds have names and it's, you yeah. know, like, I, I think that's, it's classic. It's really cool. I always think it's like done. And then like someone will give me some holds that are beautiful. And I'm like, <laughs> these are better than some of the, like garbanzo beans holds that I've <laughs> I've bought over the years. Like Will found Will England found these like pieces of wood that had this like super cool like uh gnarls in it, like grain. And he like made tension board two holds, but with like this different finish on them. So you can see all the grain of the wood. And I was like, oh my God, like those are sexy. Like those have to go up. <laughs> and then I like my friend Austin Guyman who owns the gym in car springs he just like out of nowhere was like nick i made you a bunch of holds again he like sent me a care package in covid but then he gave me another care package earlier this year and he's like gave me a bunch of holds and i was like well all of these are special i'm like a sentimental guy i'm like oh my gosh like austin loves me <laughs> like i have to put these on the wall now and then i like i like it was oh my partner's gonna giggle at this i was like a wreck after finals this last semester, not because like the finals went poorly, they went fine, but I was like brain dead. And I just like spent two days with like my impact driver, just like staring at the wall, drinking coffee, just being like, it doesn't work. Just I, I like, I, I, I moved like probably 50, 70 holds to put six on the wall. <laughs> and I was just like the smallest adjustments. And I was just like stressing, just like sitting on this wooden bench, just being like, God, it's worse. I made it worse. Fuck. <laughs> and then like, I like my friends that would come over to board sessions, like, is it okay? Like, is it better? And they're like, dude, it's fine. Like, <laughs> I can't even tell what you did. And I'm like, fuck, I ruined it. I'm like fully gone OCD mode. On it. You feel a lot of pressure to use all the all the gifted holds. Yeah, I just I just like I it's like an optimization problem. Like it's a convex optimization problem, a non-convex optimization problem. You have like all these colds. They can go on the wall in an infinite number of ways. There's some optimal way for them to all be on the wall. Have you had to jettison some some holds that you felt like attached to? Yeah, yeah, I I, I picked up on that. But it's okay. To make room for the new the new gifted holds. Yeah. Some holds, like, they're amazing holds, but they're just not good board holds. Like. Take up too much space. Yeah. I think that there's, like, Will Anglin was talking to me, bemoaning me about this. He's, like, they're, ha they're like, he's in search of, like, a, a big footprint hold that actually belongs on a spray wall. Mm. Like, something that takes up a lot of space, but still, like, 
because it's so good or it's put in just the right space, it's actually like worth all that real estate. Mm. And I'm of the opinion that it just doesn't exist. Like mm. I, every time I put on a hold that like is above a certain size, it eventually just like gets, it gets taken off. It's just like useless. Like you're just, you, why would you put that on there when you can put a low profile hold that effectively gives you the same grip type, but takes up less space? Yeah. It's like maybe not as sexy as having all these big fiberglass things, but like it's a better spray wall. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 One thing that stood out from your video is you were like describing the setting process, you know, and it, it makes a lot of sense, but you were like, oh yeah, you know, it takes a while to kind of dial everything in. You put all mm -hmm. the holds up and then climb on it for a while and you're like, okay, this whole section over here just isn't working. Mm. Like it's, uh, you know, and I was like, oh, wow, I've, I've felt that. I've like known what that means, but um, I don't know if I iterated on my own home wall like that when I when I had one, but you're like, yeah, the upper left quadrant like has more or less stayed the same the whole mm. time, but this part over here has like changed a lot of times mm. and now it's like finally kind of dialed in. Um, is, it, is it like a bow, I mean, a lot of things going on. Like I, I thought it was cool how you had like kind of jug lines on the outsides of the wall mm. and then like a crisscross. So mm -hmm. you could kind of do like circuits if you wanted to. Yeah. And my my roommate, she loved, Waverly loves to do that. She like has a jug, um, maybe not a jug, but she has like a circuit that she does on it. I don't particularly have like sport climbing projects at the moment. So I haven't been circuiting. Not yet. Yeah. Ethan really wants me to try <laughs> Scorsese, which is you like, brought it up. I do. I do want to try Scorsese. It's like what? this five fourteen plus up in the Poudre Canyon. Yeah, fourteen B or C probably. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's like we can give it fourteen plus if that's more motivating. <laughs> oh, I don't care. But like the um, did you do it? Did you have a connection? You did the to FA. It? I did the FA. So it's yeah. like it's like a, Ben Ben the, Scott bolted it. Mm, ben it's Scott, amazing. Yeah. Nice. It's like one of the most beautiful pieces of granite I've ever climbed. Wow. And it and it it ends with a like a almost like a step up dyno, like all points off step up dyno to like the clipping hold. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Crazy. Yeah. And it's cool. like at the most beautiful crag in the Poudre Canyon too. Like you have to hike up to Boston Peak, which is like one of the most dominant like rock faces and it like overlooks the prettiest part of the Poudre Canyon. So it's like it's the one of the crown jewels of the Poudre for sure. But yeah. But no, no sport climbing projects besides, besides. Yeah, I've honestly just always been like, I have to carry so much weight up a sport climb. That seems like a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> like, but maybe, maybe I'll get over that. Scorsese, the hard parts of Scorsese are pretty short. That could be good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you were asking about the jug. Well, runs. let's just let's just go with this question instead. Yeah. Instead, um, what are some decisions you are really glad you made with your home wall? And would you change anything if you could go back? Okay. So the decisions that I'm glad about are, um, I, I think that like giving time to the setting was like a great creative outlet. Like when I, before, when I didn't have ballet, when I didn't have like any, an art film to make or anything, like I poured a lot of that like creative energy into the setting and thinking about that and like being like it was that that nice balance of like i i think that like i'm proud of how the set came out that's what went well like the best thing about that board in my opinion is that it's set well the things that i would change about it are like pretty much how i constructed it like the kicker i just like 
didn't make beefy enough on the backside of the framing so like the kicker can kind of flex a little bit which sketches me out um and then i like took all the wood from my old home wall what the place that we built it when i was renting and we it was outside for a long time and the wood definitely got wet when it was out there and like the wood's not i didn't buy the nicest plywood because i was like as i'm a, i'm a I'm a cheap bastard uh, is what it really comes down to. Like when I can tell you stories about me being cheap, but like, the, like I just was like, I'm not, I was like, I'm not buying the fancy plywood. Like it's wood. And that was a bad decision. Like I should have bought like nice plywood. Like you should buy really nice beefy plywood. You should like, though, that's the thing that I think is missing the most from it is just that I, like the wood has been climbed on for five years or four years now. Yeah, four years. And like it's been, it, the, the holds have moved around, around a lot around on it and it's gotten wet when it was outside. And I just don't, I think you, I should have been like, oh, this is its permanent home. Like I should build it out of new wood. Mm. Are there T-nuts or is it all screw-ins? No, no, there are T-nuts for specific holds that I put in like after the fact, but everything, I think that is like, that is a good thing for the people out there to know. Like if you are making a home wall, you should never T-nut. Like I don't, mm. I firmly believe that. Like you can, it gives you less, like it gives you less options for one. Two, it's expensive. Three, it makes everything so heavy because now all like the, when you're putting up the boards, it's like, it's heavy to lift things with T-nuts. And then um, if you're building a spray wall, you're not going to move the holds a lot. Like the whole reason to have T-nuts is because they're going to reset that wall in like three or four weeks. If you're not going to reset it, then just like now you can put the holds as close as possible such that like your things are comfortable. And every hold can be a screw on, especially now that escape climbing makes these things called Lone Stars. And they like fit inside the T-nut hold and they just like put a screw through that washer mm. and then it, it turns it into that. And if you buy a, it's called a countersink. It's just like a drill bit that then eventually, like when you get to the end of the drill bit, it makes a little space for the screw head to get flush with the top of the piece of wood or, or in this case, climbing hold. You just countersink everything with it. You do a Lone Star and a countersink and every hold is now a screw on. Mm. And it, to me, I, I, yeah, I, I think it is a rookie stake to be T-nutting. Yeah, rookie stake. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so you've, preach. You've countersunk all of your holds? Pretty much, yeah. 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 Good stuff. Yeah. I love Anything it. else on the home wall that we should talk about? Um, I want to climb on it. Yeah, you got to come through. Are you going to be in Colorado in September? Yeah, I'll be in Colorado probably till the day I die. <laughs> if I have anything to say about it. Sick. I love the people there. Love yeah, it. let's have a sesh, dude. Mm -hmm. I, I'm, I'm inspired. We can grill out. Paige, Paige's granddad gave me a, a grill, and now I have a grill, and it's awesome. Nice. It's not quite as bry as, as good as the bry here, but yeah. yeah, it's fine. Scooters or trailer? Let's do the scooter first. Okay. Okay. So the story of the scooter, this is so fun. Uh, so my friend, my friend Jeremy Abraham and I were living together during 2020. He had just graduated college and I was in like, I had just like broken up with my ex. And so we're both like kind of like angsty. He doesn't, hasn't found a job yet. And so we're both just like living in this like, this like, rental that we just like let 
turn into like a white trash like pile of dirt and we're living there with my dog McCall and then COVID hits and we're just like oh my god this sucks and the road to Lincoln Lake closed and we're that which doesn't make any sense by the way to like have an out like a road to hiking trails closed I, I was like a little bit flummoxed because there's the trail below that was still open. It's not like they closed all the hiking trails. They just like closed this one road that would, I don't know. It doesn't matter. In any case, it like had this opportunity where Jeremy had this idea. He's like, we could still go to Lincoln. Like we could be the, we could have a whole Lincoln season for just us. And I was like, I'm in. And so he bought, because we're both sort of stingy. He was like, I found this scooter on Craigslist I'm going to build an e-scooter that can take us me to Lincoln. I was like, I want to, I want to do the same thing. So I found this like e-scooter online for pretty cheap. And we both had e-scooters. They're really dorky. And we like tried once and we failed. Like we didn't have big enough gears. Um, and then we tried again and I didn't have enough battery. And then I bought like two batteries. So like, <laughs> I like, we had like, I like had my dog is a stud. My dog's running next to me. Like he ran the whole seven miles up to Lincoln, which is amazing. This dog's incredible. And then I had my pads on. I had like uh, the extra battery sitting on my lap. And then I would like <laughs> scooter up to the like halfway point, drop the heavy battery, the lead acid, put in the lithium ion battery, make it all the rest of the way. And then like dump the pads. And it was a magical season. Like I did <laughs> like a boulder that I'd been trying for a very long time. I did clan of the cave bears, which is like an amazing V 13 that climbs out of a hole. Um, it's like good for being in a hole. I thought it was amazing. Like the best boulder I'd ever done at that point. And then now you like in Rocklands and you're like, but air star exists. And you're like, Oh, whatever. Okay. <laughs> like, that boulders clan of the cave bears sucks. Like, but yeah, I, yeah, it was an amazing experience. Jeremy was a huge inspiration. He's a mechanical engineer and he's just a big goofball. And we were like <laughs> totally in our own world, just like kids and with like toys. And we we're just like, we need better toys. And we like made toys and engineered them. His friend actually like, we he bought us lithium ion battery cells, like raw cells from China to get them cheap. And then we had a friend from Colorado School Mines, which is where we went to college, who like wired the cells together, which is a like lithium-ion batteries can explode. So like, I don't know why I was just like, yeah, this is fine. Like, and 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 like, and like Jeremy was explaining it to me. He was like, he was like, yeah, like if you don't know what you're doing, like this is a bad idea. But like my buddy, he knows what's going on. Like he's got us. And I was like, okay, like sure, let's go. And. <laughs> And it was awesome. The, when you say scooter, you mean like Vespa sort of thing? It looks like a children's like scooter, like basically. It's like, like you, it's not like a nice, it's not like a, it doesn't like look you stand like, on it with like the tall handlebar. You, handle you can either bar. stand on it or mine has like a, a detachable like seat that okay. you can like sit down. So it kind of looks like a Vespa, uh, okay. but it's like, okay. Okay. it's dorkier than okay. that, honestly. Okay. okay. I, like a razor. Like a razor. But with, but like a with, mount, with mountain but, wheels but and with stuff. mountain wheels. <laughs> And I, shocks? Well, mine has shocks. Jeremy's doesn't. So the descent was terrible for Jeremy. <laughs> but what isn't was, it a paved road? It, it, yeah, but it like goes through the winter every time. So it's mostly just like cracks at this point. Oh, okay. It's mm -hmm. like a rough descent. Mm -hmm. It sucks. But what's crazy, I actually, my dog, I was like worried about his shoulders on the way down. So I would hold my 70 pound <laughs> boxer on my lap and like this. And I would like put my, 
I had a satchel. I'd put it around him so that he couldn't move. And I would sit on the little bike seat on the, tr on the scooter. And I would like be like this. And I would like, he'd be like sitting on my, on my lap. And I'd be like, fucking don't move. And he'd be like, Oh my God. And like, we'd be like descending Mount Evans, like that really sounds, fast. That's a bad idea. Very dangerous. He isn't, he is a very, did you ever crash? No, he's an amazing dog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he like helps me balance and stuff. I mean, just because your dog is amazing doesn't mean that you wouldn't have crashed, though. No. But you didn't crash. No. That's lucky. Did Jeremy crash? <laughs> well, if he did. Yeah, oh. I think one time he had a little one, but it wasn't like super bad. Mm, that's good. He was a lot less uh, <clears throat> aggressive on the descent. I was mm -hmm. like, there, like the sun would set and it was like a cold, like we would... We would, what was cool is that we could stay like past, like we can go like past close now. Like we'll, we'll go to Lincoln when the road closes. Mm -hmm. like, like in September. No, like in October or oh, November. Okay. Like oh, the, wow. It's like, it only gets better up there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I yeah. think, pe I think it's so funny that people in the Alpine are like, Stephen and I were talking about this. Like people get psyched on the Alpine like now in July and August. I'm like, no, you should be like at Valhalla, like training right now. Like <laughs> mm -hmm. this is a terrible time to go try your project. And then, like when it's like cold and everyone's like, oh God, like winter's here. Guess Alpine season's over. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, it's time to send the rig. Like mm -hmm. <laughs> you got to be going out there suffering right now. Like it's temps. That granite really at, at Evans, I think really gets the friction's way better mm -hmm. when it's cold. Mm -hmm. But you do have to be like of like that, that Nordic descent, like survive up there i guess or something like i don't i like the cold i'm like oh yeah it's 30s it's like time to go yeah yeah kind of i'm kind of similar <laughs> yeah with bouldering yeah I, I want it cold especially for porous rock like porous mm -hmm. like gr grainy rock hmm. like rocklands i like i mean the rock there is like pretty glassy i feel like it helps with that too maybe, mm, maybe. yeah but it's like kind of like micro crystals and stuff mm -hmm. yeah, that's true like you need all the all the little friction mm. friction points yeah yeah i love also, it colorado bouldering scooters that, and the alpine ethan doesn't like it i don't like it i'm into it it's like area a and b at evans is great and the front the front range bouldering is great i think but the alpine i, I we don't have to get into it well i think i think <laughs> it really like if you're into bouldering for like purely just like the bouldering aspect of it then I don't know if the Alpine is for you because the Alpine is a lot about being like a pseudo alpinist. Like I, I like alpinism. I just don't like the style. I just don't like talus bouldering. That's all. Oh. He doesn't like crawling out of holes. I don't yeah, like. I don't be, like dabby dabby holes. Got to be into the hole, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I. <laughs> it's not why I rock climb. I, I don't know. I don't yeah, I, I do. I don't like the dabby aspect of it all the time. But I just think that there's like not a more in my mind the most amazing place to be is like that high up in the mountains like mm -hmm. trying that hard mm -hmm. it just really feels like a full adventure and there's also like so much logistics of like getting the enough pads and like having enough water and food to just like survive let alone like do exercise up there yeah i like everything about it except for the climbing part <laughs> <laughs> i like the adventure okay. i like the mountains i like the logistics <laughs> i like the ruggedness i like lake lake Hayaha. I just don't like the, I just don't like the cl actual climbing. That's all. Well, my my local choss is the best choss, and you can no. Pooter is great. I think I think Pooter's great. Pooter's way better than well, Pooter's not choss. The Alpine is like I'm not calling Pooter choss. I know. You, no, yeah. I love Pooter. <laughs> I love the Alpine. 
and I will die on this hill. And if you're not there, then that's better because then there's more of it for me. Yeah, that's totally fine. <laughs> I'll be I'll be here probably. <laughs> yeah, I'll definitely go climbing the alpine. Yeah, with you. yeah, the alpine is good. It. I journey yeah, is like a, one of my favorite things I've ever done. Yeah, it's because it's, it's amazing. It's a hole. You're totally climbing out of a hole, but yeah, it's, it's the a, best. It's hole. the best hole. Yeah, it's not just the hole though. There's other things. The dabbiness. Well, there's the dabbiness. There's like the lack of obvious start holds. Every single hold is like a slippery slimper. I just don't think you've given it enough. I don't think you've you've tried the right boulders then. Like there are amazing boulders. Like You yeah. say potato, I say <laughs> pachasso. <laughs> no, I think there are some good, there's some decent boulders. It's okay. I don't like the crowds up there anyway. Yeah, <laughs> we should tell everyone that it's bad so they don't. It's come. bad. Yeah, you should be. You should be on my side yeah, here. <laughs> Colorado bouldering sucks. Don't come. No, I'm not saying all of Colorado. I'm just saying. <laughs> no, I am. Chaos Canyon. It's all bad. <laughs> um, what do you think about like Eldo and 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 the Flatirons? Do you like it, or do you awesome. prefer the Alpine? I mean, I prefer the Alpine because oh I love the Alp. I love the Alpine. I like. Mm -hmm. There's nothing better than being that high above sea level being in the mountains but just the just the rock itself just the climbing take away the environment what do you prefer uh, eldo flatties or probably chaos canyon and lincoln lake probably i think i still think lincoln lake for oh me God. is the best i just i fell in love with the place it's like mm. i don't know what to i can't get away from that mm. i think there's like too much there's too much density of hard climbs the movement's really interesting like once the rock is cleaned up, like it, it is good rock. I think there's been a lot of cleaning that's been done up there. So there's that, but yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know what else to say. I, I like, I've been enjoying being around Eldo and the Flatirons more often because that's like, that's more or less where I, I live now is like right at the mouth of Eldo, which I guess is like a good segue. Um, nice job. Yeah, trailer. Good job, Ethan. <laughs> yeah, I think the. I was, this is my plan all along. <laughs> I, yeah, I've been, there, I've had some. I've been making more friends in Boulder, and we've been climbing up in the Flatirons. There's been like a lot of development that's been done, which is really cool. Um, the rock is really good up there, in a lot of ways. It's the hikes are still really real in uh, Flatirons. Like, it's not alpine in the sense that it's at eleven thousand feet, but it's you're still hiking like miles to several miles, like uphill to like get to a block. Like the density is not there mm -hmm. usually. And it is still rugged and athletic to get to the place that you want to be. Um, yeah. I'm really enjoying living in, in Boulder. Yeah. I think, okay. So how did I, I think I should talk about like how I ended up in Boulder. Cause I think it's a pretty cool story. Great. So when, before I was born, my mom was doing her like residency and med school in Bolt in Denver. And she met this guy, Paul, who is like, who was guiding rock climbing trips back then. And they ended up becoming really close friends and they dated for some time. And he is um, like an artist in a lot of ways and a carpenter in some other ways. And so he, but he was a big part of the climbing scene for, and he still is in a lot of ways in Boulder. He and Chenard started the Colorado Nut Company way back in the day. So he's about as OG as it gets. He's done like first ascents in Utah. He did a lot of the first ascents in Eldo. Um, 
he ended up bumming with some friends on this land in Marshall, which is like near the mouth of Eldo. It's like if you turned east instead of turning west off of the main road, then you're like at his house. And he ended up buying that house. And it's this really cool historic place. It was a stop for the stagecoach before they'd come into Boulder. They would like stop at Paul's house and they'd wash up and get clean before they like did their business. Hmm. And so it's like the house was built in the 1800s. It's like one of the oldest structures in the front range. Wow. And he like renovated it. It was like completely um, condemned when he bought it back in like the 60s, I think. And since then, he's let all sorts of vagabonds kind of live there off and on for the last like 50 years or something now, right? And I am the latest of those vagabonds. <laughs> uh, yeah, they, there was a climbing magazine article that said that he like ran the camp four of the front range. Nice. Which is like really true. Like I've met so many people that still come around the land and use it for different purposes. And a lot of them had li have or have lived there or sometimes still do live there. Like one of the older guys, like he'll park his van sometimes still on, on the land, but he lived in like the renovated chicken coop for like 10, 15 years or something like wow. that. And like, <laughs> he's just around sometimes. He's just a homie of Paul's. And I, so I, I had it in like my head. Like I knew of Paul when I was growing up and I bought this trailer to like camp in the Poudre Canyon back in like 2019. And I had it in my head. I was like, I want to go to school at Boulder. Rented Boulder is really expensive. Like maybe I'll end up living in this trailer at Paul's. And it was like kind of like a pipe dream. I was like, yeah, that probably won't happen. But like, Maybe. And I like, called Paul like a year out. Like I accepted grad school at Boulder, my position. And I was like, hey, Paul, like I'm looking to like live in Boulder. Is there any way I could maybe like park my trailer on your land? And he was like, yeah. Like no, like I, I haven't talked to him in like a decade probably. Like the last time he saw me, I was like 14. He was like, yeah, dude, that sounds awesome. He's like, I love your mom. I love, it would be fun to hang out with you. And unfortunately that, that, winter his whole land burned down in the marshall fire mm. so like the old bus that a, another couple was living in burned down and his house burned down and his workshop burned down and all of his like like a lot of his cool art is burned and so many of his possessions are burned and he ended up like actually really damaging some of his body from like fighting the fire because he's like 80 so like he was trying to fight the fire with the firefighters and like inhaled too much smoke. Wow. And so he's like, his body's still definitely like recovering, but it's been pretty cool to, so, so it's been pretty cool to like be there through, through this. I, I like quit my job. So last, once I had the plan that I was going to live in this trailer, I was like, okay, how am I going to make this happen? And I, the trailer that I bought is a 1978 wilderness. It's just like a old travel trailer. It's like 14 feet by eight feet. And I was like, okay, I, it, it was in the exact 1978 stock, everything. And I was like, I'm going to quit my job a little bit early, renovate this trailer, then go to Rocklands and then start grad school. I was like, this is gonna be an awesome, like, this is like a year of my life. I'm like really looking forward to. And I was, I've, I'd been like planning it for a long time. Um, and so I, I did a bunch of research and I'm not like the hand, like I was, I hadn't done a lot of like renovating stuff before this. So it was like pretty fun to like learn on the fly. 
But, and my original plan was just to like take out some of the stuff and like make it a little bit more modern and then we'll like be good to go put some solar panels on it. And as I like took it apart, it just got grosser. Like there was just mold under every wall and Ugh. like some of the studs were like completely rotted. So I ended up gutting it down to only the subflooring and some of the original studs and the the outer shell. I think that's that's what still is original. And then I rebuilt everything and now I live in it. And it's pretty fun. I had a the land in Marshall is cool. I like you have this amazing view of the flat irons. You I wake up every morning like being really grateful to like have the location that's like close enough that I can still make it to school. And also that I, I really feel like I'm like like connected to the land in a different way. I, I definitely feel like I'm like 1800 pioneer vibes because mm. I like I have an outhouse <laughs> and I like I use the outhouse even when it's like 18 negative 18 degrees. Wow. I was like, oh, I can't believe I'm like living out here. Like, this is, <laughs> and I like there were like some things that didn't go to plan. Like I have run out of water because I have to like haul. There's no water hookup because everything burned down. So like I've been like hauling water from Fort Collins every week, like in big jugs. And I'll like refill my water tanks, which is like being water aware is like kind of a different thing, like feels mm -hmm. very like living more hand to mouth. And there are things that didn't go right. Like there was a roof leak and I broke the sink one time and the furnace didn't work for a while. And then the battery froze because apparently lithium ion batteries can freeze. And then they just, there's, there's no hope. Like mm. you have to, I had to like take the battery out, bring it back to Fort Collins, Dethought inside the house in Fort Collins, recharge it, and then bring it back in. And I like re-insulated it all and did this like DIY hack where you have this like heating pad thing that um, it's meant for like black water tanks. It just like keeps the the poop tank like from not freezing. Mm. And I just like adhesive that onto the battery pack, and now it doesn't freeze anymore. And like, but I had to like, I was not an engineer, so I had to like learn how to like wire stuff, and I had to learn all the carpentry things um and it was like a beautiful experience i felt like i got all these like life skills out of it and i feel like i'm really proud of how it turned out it was like creative in a lot of ways do you have photos of your trailer yeah i we don't have to look at them now, yeah they're, they're on my phone i have like um, i have like an instagram what is it called like the story like carousel or something yeah that it's like in your profile where you can like click through oh, the, highlights, the highlights highlights thing nice. yes yeah. and you can go through everything and it i mean it was super fun there are like things that i did that if i were to do it again i'd do it different like i did the wall panels out of like cheaper material again rookie mistake should have bought the nice material it like it, it's not what you should build walls out of in a trailer but i mean it's like it's insulated when it was that polar vortex. It was it was warmer in my trailer than it was in my house in Fort Collins. Like I was, um, yeah. The the one one thing that it wasn't warm was my my mother told me that she was going to make drapes for all the windows, and she had this brilliant idea, and it works. Uh, where we like like glued magnets around the rims of all the windows because there's lots of windows on this thing and that's amazing in the summer but in the winter you need to like insulate those windows and then she like sewed individually all of the 
curtains and then they like magnet and snap to all the windows and it keeps it crazy warm mm. but she like got like halfway done and then was like kind of burnt out on making them and i was like oh like if you're not gonna make them like i can make them or i can like pay someone to make them and she was like no 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 like i'm gonna make them and then it like got to like mid-december and i was like i'm really cold like you gotta like you gotta like tell me if you're making these or not <laughs> and she's like okay i'll make them i was like okay like I'm not like, I, you don't have to, like I, you're, you're doing me a favor, but like, I'm also like, I need to know yeah. <laughs> getting cold out here. It's like 1800 survival <laughs> outhouse sucks. Man, an outhouse, negative 18 what's degrees. The sh- what's the shower situation? I shower at the school. Okay. It's, I am, a, am turning into a dirty hippie. I like, yeah, I, some of my math, one of my math friends, Allison, she has told me that she won't work with me until I shower, which is like awful. Does <laughs> you smell bad? She, she was just she was just like Nick, like until you shower, I'm not hanging out with you anymore. Like, <laughs> and I was like, okay, I'll go shower. So it's bad. <laughs> it's like that's like a dorky mathematician move where you're like you're like I don't even notice that I smell bad. You're like that's some tweaker shit right there. You're tweaking. <laughs> what is your lifestyle like during the school year? Do you like do you live there full time during the semester or do you go back and it sounds like you go back and forth a little bit between yeah, your house and I think most I prefer to like be able to go back to Fort Collins to spend time with my partner on the weekends. Um Sometimes she'll come and spend time with me in the trailer or we'll hang out in Denver. She has family in Denver. Because how long is the drive? It's like an hour. Okay. So it's not too bad. Mm-hmm. It's not something I want to do every day, but yeah, it's okay yeah. to do like once a week. Mm-hmm. And th- Yeah. And I like being like in my house. So, but I'll spend like all five days in the trailer during the week. Um, and that seems to be like a, a sustainable thing for now. So. Nice. And I mean, I'm saving money. And I, I also like, I feel like I got this sort of like intergenerational friendship with Paul now that's like really special in my life. Mm-hmm. I don't have a living, like I don't have any like uncles that I'm super close to and I don't have a living grandfather anymore. Um, and I feel like he's really like filled like a male mentorship role in my life. Mm. He's like, he's got that sort of, I think it's cool also to have like a mentor who like climbed and had a, has a really good life in and out of climbing. Mm. I don't know if that's like super common. I feel like it's hard to like balance like your non-climbing life with your climbing life. And I don't think Paul would say that like he did it perfectly, but I think he has a beautiful life. He's got a beautiful family and he still got to do some like amazing climbing things. And so he like understands my like passion for the climbing and also understands that like how to, that that can't be everything. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so, and I think there's like something about people who spend as much time outside that we do that like you get some like deeper insight and some like calmness and some like mindfulness. And I feel like I'm, I I am like down to be Paul's little Padawan in a lot of ways. <laughs> I feel like I'm learning like how to do nice. life in a way that I want to do life from him. I, before I came out here, I was, I, I've been feeling kind of guilty that I'm not like contributing as much as I'd like to around the, the, the land. And I was like, you got to like take advantage of like some labor of me this summer. And we built for, he's building a new sh- workshop for him to like, uh, do his carpentry work again. I don't know how much work he's actually going to do now that he's almost 80, but like 
Have they have they rebuilt the house? Like, is he it, still living there? Yeah, I've been like watching them rebuild the house, and I think he says that like what I did to contribute was like to be there to like watch things happening. And I was like, I don't know how much that helped anything. Like they were going to build, like they're going to do construction, whether I'm there or not, they didn't care at all. Um, but um, it was nice. I mean, it was, it was cool to see like the land go from basically like scorched earth, like junkyard vibes to all of a sudden now there's like all these structures and all the life came back. And mm -hmm. I watched all the, like the animals sort of return slowly. Um, yeah, it, that was a cool process to watch like just the day by day progress. And then yeah, I helped Paul with some of the building of his workshop. I built these like giant barn doors with him and it was cool to just sort of play like apprentice for, for like five days. Mm. He can't really do manual labor like eight hours a day anymore. I think his body just can't take it quite as much, but I feel like he was really showing me that like, I was really angsty about like, preparing for Rocklands and not feeling like uninjured. And also just like my, my partner was out of the state for the summer and I was like feeling a little like off and watching him just like be content with the amount of work that we could get done every day. Like we would do like three or four hours of carpentry. I would be like, man, we're just getting started. And he's like, nah, man, like we're getting, we're getting lunch. That's our day. Mm. And he was just like completely happy, super, was super like just elated that we were getting anything done. And he was like, wow, we did really good work today. And I felt like him him just like, his baseline was just like accepting what we had today. Mm. And it felt like I, I learned a lot. For, and it wasn't that he was like telling me how to live my life. He was like showing me how to live mm. my life, which I think really is the same thing that in poetry, we talk about that all the time. Like you should be showing people what you want to say, not telling them what you want to say mm. in the poem. And I feel like Paul does that like with his actions, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Thanks for sharing all that, man. Yeah. That's a really unique and, and special connection. That's really yeah. cool. You're still living there through grad school. I'm going to, I'm doing another season at least. Um, we'll see how this year goes. Last year, it helped another, coming from winter. Yeah. Seriously. The winter is brutal. Um, coming from Rocklands to the trailer life was good last year because I came from kind of living in a cottage to then just like kind of living in another cottage. When I went to live in the trailer like after winter break and I had like a house for a month, I was like, what the hell am I doing with my life? Like I own a house. Like I own a house and I have skills that can provide for myself. And instead I'm going like all 1800s on this. <laughs> like that's idiocy. You're a crazy person. So, but it's pretty fun and it's, I feel like it's a life experience and it is something, I think so much of my, like what I want out of life is like doing things that make me feel like I'm a badass. Like I want, I want to think that I'm a badass really bad to like the point <laughs> that like, I don't care if I suffer like at all. Like, I think I'm big into the type too fun. Like I really don't like suffering. Like it, it doesn't come into the, that's something that I think my partner really show has shown me a lot is like, I'll like be like, well, it's like another training day. Like it's time to suffer again. Like we got to like put in this, we have these goals, these Alpine boulders or these crimp boulders or whatever. And I'm just like, got to check another box. She's like, you're just, you're just like not happy right now. Like 
like you're just suffering and i'm like i don't care at all like i want to think i'm a badass and this is what it takes <laughs> like it doesn't matter and that like isn't sustainable long term mm. and i think that having people around you to like temper that sort of personality can help because that's not that isn't that isn't all of my personality that isn't who i am but it can yeah. take over if i don't actually have someone to snap me out of it and be like you have other parts of there are other parts of life that have that like you're not going to be fulfilled you're not going to find joy from just only accomplishing things from like checking boxes mm -hmm. there has to be things like ballet there has to be like things like building a door for three hours <laughs> you know like these relational things these artistic things these like holistic things that make it worth being here mm. and i i i'm as i'm getting older I've, i'm hopefully getting better at like actually setting aside time for those things instead of just checking the box for the sake of checking another box but i str i think I, my base i can really easily get into that quantitative mindset where i'm just like more mm -hmm. gotta check more boxes yeah gotta add them up yeah 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 i i relate to that it's um it's hard to describe to someone who isn't that way that there's a lot of joy in that suffering like when i'm yes. really robotic and locked into like a training cycle i really like that and i like parts of it a lot yeah. but i'm i'm similar like i if i have to be careful with it i can go i've gone too far um a couple of times and that's no good for for me or any of the people close to me um, yeah so yeah learning learning how to temper that balance that with other folks or other activities is totally is key I, th I think you're a badass, Nick. Thanks, man. Yeah, I appreciate it. <laughs> I think I, I feel like a badass right now. I could not have been more happy with how this trip went. Sick. I like maybe the first climbing trip where I'm like coming out being like, yep, well, I didn't want to do anything else. So time to go home. <laughs> nice. Got them all. Yeah. That's I mean, there's rad. like, there's like climbs I tried in the tail end of the trip. And I'm like, well, that would be really fun to do. But like Steven and I both caught this cold maybe it was COVID, maybe it's something else. It put me on my ass. And then I was a rookie slash too eager. And I just like kept climbing through the sickness. Well, you're which, coming to the end of the trip. Yeah. Kind of makes sense. And I, yeah, I, I like dug a hole for myself and like trying anything at my project level is like, just not, it's just not going to happen right now. So, but I mean, I don't really care. I like did the boulder I dreamt about all year. So <laughs> <laughs> like, was like obsessive about was that sky yeah sky nice. like it haunted me it feels so unreal that i did it and it feels it just it doesn't seem like a boulder that's possible to, for me mm. i don't think like it, it's just the first move it, it's just two v11 moves in a row like and v11 is really hard except for the super freaks out there but so like i doing a v11 move is like not it is hard or it, or it has been hard in the past it doesn't feel as hard this trip for some reason but like the um yeah it yeah i that second move i i stuck it once last year and i was like oh man like i'm gonna do sky and then i never stuck it again mm. and i like i think i just like dug myself deeper and deeper into a hole and got those positions like the muscles associated with those positions like more and more tired and couldn't get it done and 
I didn't like intention. Like I thought I was going to do all these like simulation boulders, and I thought it was going to like have this like big build up to sky, and then like come out here and smash it. And instead, I like was like, well, I can't crimp hard enough to train for sky on the home wall, so I can't really try like home wall boulders very much. And so I mostly just like like stretched and did some weightlifting to keep up with my sister, who's a powerlifter. <laughs> and and that's and then I think that's what it really took. Cause I think Sky was just like when I got here, I like kind of forgot how good the holds are. Like the holds on Sky, like Sky is like 67 degrees overhanging. Like wow. it is really steep. So the holds like have to be good. And they are. They're like full pad. They're like 20 mils that are like somewhat in cut and you think the thing is you just have to be able to put them wherever you want you just have to be able to be like i'm gonna put this 20 wheel by my hips uh -huh. and it's gonna be easy and it feels easy right now i was like i can like body weight is light is warm-up weight right now let's go like <laughs> so i yeah it felt easy when i did it i was like this doesn't make any sense this, this boulder is impossible so that's so cool yeah yeah it's <clears throat> the best feeling in climbing i think yeah <laughs> it, congrats to, to, on that one dude. yeah to feel the progression is so cool <clears throat> mm. yeah i want to brag on my sister a little bit says she is probably part of the reason why i climbed well because i weightlifted to keep up with her so i'm not i don't normally do like lots of compound lifts i actually like stopped doing a lot of compound lifts up until like maybe i got hurt like in march i was like i'm good enough at these like i can do like i can bench my body weight like five times and which i know is not a lot for like bench people but for climbers i was like that's enough mm -hmm. and then for like um and then deadlift and squat i was like i can squat i can do like t i can do a lot of pistol squats in a row and i was like oh like that's enough like mm -hmm. this is like i'm done like this is fine and my sister is a powerlifter she weighs like 60 kilos so like 130 pounds that's what she competes in and she like benches 190 and she deadlifts 407. Wow. And she back squats 357 or something. Wow. So she's like, she's like one of the best powerlifters in the States right now for her weight class. She, I think she is the best deadlifter in the States right now. That's wow. natural. Um, but she doesn't look natural. So we should test her, right? But like, there's like, <laughs> like the, I, I, I was just like, I was like, all I have left is bench. Like, all I have left is bench. And so I benched like probably two times a week for like three months. What, what do you mean? Like you, you've hit those I, other metrics on deadlift and squat. I can't, I can't deadlift or squat that much. I don't think. Oh, okay. I can't do those, but I still could bench. Like I could bench like 195. Mm. I was like, I can, I, I'll, I'll bench like more than, I'll bench more than her. Oh, so, I see. I so see. I like bench is all that I have left. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. <laughs> so okay. that's like what I like doubled down on. I did a little bit of like squatting and I did like single legged deadlift stuff. And I did a lot of like other like pull-ups and shoulder press and other sorts of like crossfit things to prepare for this, but not, yeah. The be I benched probably more than I like needed to. And I, I, my pecs, I definitely gained, I like keep measurements of my body that I like will like be able to track where I've grown. And like, it's pretty interesting to see what's like changed and what's, is I feel like I'm so big now and I'm like, oh my God, like I'm so, like I'm, I'm heavier than when I trained with full. It's like, that sucks. I'm like, but I look really lean. And like, when I do my measurements, it's like, well, my legs have gotten like a little bit smaller and like, 
my my like my shoulders and chest have what have gotten bigger. Mm. Like my arms have actually like my biceps have gotten smaller and my my forearms have gotten a little bigger. It's like just like hmm. as I'm like turning more into like the right morphology mm. to climb hard. I think mm. just more triangle shaped. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, that's that's super interesting. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, but. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out. What's your sister's name? Grace. Grace. Shout Rommel. out to Grace. Yeah, Grace is Grace is a good stud out there. <laughs> Keeping me on my toes. <laughs> you've, you've had the mic up for a while. Do you have something? I just have to hold it or else or else it's down here. So. <laughs> no, I, it, you have a brother too? I do. My my brother is a maybe the most athletic of us, mm. but just like doesn't I don't think he he fell in love with gymnastics and gymnastics just like he got too tall and it, it doesn't seem like something that there's not like a good, like a, a super solid, like adult gymnastics, mm. like recreational gymnastics vibe out there. I don't think, but he, yeah, my brother is a little younger than me. Yeah. He's no one else climbs in your family. They, they all, my mom was a climber. And my brother and sister have gone on like climbing trips with me. Like they've gone to Bishop with us. And my brother and sister are both pretty good for being off the couch. Like my brother climbs V8 whenever he tries, nice. which is almost disrespectful. <laughs> I feel like <laughs> I feel like people like people try hard to climb V8, and yeah. he's just out here. He's like, "Yeah, I'll do this whenever I want." And I'm like, okay, bastard, bastard. <laughs> and then my sister. She was like better at climbing before she, like she can do specific things better climbing now. I would say maybe she she's gonna probably take this like she's gonna take this with a grain of I think take this with a grain of salt because she might disagree with this entirely. But I think she just like can't high step at all anymore. <laughs> she's so muscle bound through her posterior chain. Mm. So she like I think she's four eleven. So it just takes a lot. Uh, you have to be pretty mobile to climb hard at 411. Mm -hmm. And I think some of some specific mobility that's important for climbing is worse now for her. So right. I don't know if she climbs as much as hard as she, but she's still, she'll go out climbing with me. Yeah. Nice. She tries really hard. That Sick. power lifter, power lifter mentality is there's some try hard. <laughs> yeah. They, every, they expect everything. That's something that I think also helps with some of like the, like just, like when you, if you go, when I go purely into a climbing phase and I like phase out some of like the ancillary training, I like get really into beta and it's like, you want to make it feel as easy as possible. Like the goal is to make the climb feel easy. And then when you like go back to weightlifting, like there's no baiting, like you can't beta around lifting the bar up. You have to pick the weight up, set it down, pick it up, set it down. That's all we do. Mm -hmm. And like... It, you it ends up like I think it, if you go too far that way, then you like get bad at like finding beta. But some of that like psychology of just like it's gonna feel hard, and that's then that's just part of it. That like helps me. Mm -hmm. I think that's cool. Um, I think that like has helped a lot with like these like really short, powerful boulders out here, like Sky and Air Star, and like El Corazon. Like all of those, it's, it's like there's like one really or two really hard stopper moves and it's like it's not gonna feel easy like it's gonna feel like a max effort like it has to otherwise it wouldn't be that great it's only like two moves mm -hmm. so and there's like you can beta as much as you want but 
it's only going to feel so easy. Mm -hmm. It's not like the holds aren't getting closer to each other. They're not getting any better. Like the reason you want to do it is because it's hard. Yeah. And I feel like so much of like when you're outdoor, you get in that outdoor mindset, you, you're like, I want it to feel easier. I want it to feel easier. I want it to feel easier. And like, that's so psychologically odd because if you wanted it to be easier, you could try a different climb that was easier. <laughs> yeah. Like, there are so many good, easy climbs and I'm not trying any it's, of them. <laughs> like I'm only trying the good, hard yeah, climbs. It's the classic paradox. We all, we all do it. Like we want to pick the hardest thing we could maybe, maybe do yeah. and then try to make it as easy as possible. Yeah, that's psycho. And then we expect it to be easier. Yeah, we expect, it's cool. we expect it to be different than it is. It's like, no, we signed ourselves up for this hard thing. That's why we're here. Yeah. It's hilarious. I always, we joke, I do, I make the, I think I'm hilarious, but like, <laughs> I, I think I'm hilarious because I'm, I'm on my home wall. I'll say that all the time. Like when I like, I'll make up a boulder. I'm like, this is sick. And then I'll like fall. And I'm like, God damn it. It's so hard. I'm like, wait, it's not easy. I didn't want it. To, wait, I didn't want it to be easy. <laughs> like you're like constantly like second checking yourself. But I, I think I'm, I like riff off of myself with that sort of paradigm. But yeah, I think it's so, I think it's funny. <laughs> Yeah, we're it's climbing's funny. Yeah, yeah. Should we wrap up with some rapid fire questions? Do these again. Ultimate dream climb. Ooh. Do you have one? I kind of felt like it was sky. I sick. Mm. That's awesome. You peaked. Dude. I might have peaked. That's okay. <laughs> it's all downhill from here. Well, you've climbed. <clears throat> I mean, we talked about this a little bit with your project, but um, another thing I noticed looking at your 8A is like, wow, you've got a huge base, like a ton of ton of v10s 11s 12s 13s like i think you were getting close to like 200 double digit boulders or something mm. um and quite a few quite a few v13s maybe i can't remember but like eight of them or, or more than that <clears throat> i think i i think i have i don't know maybe more maybe more because you've done half that many on this trip yeah maybe over I, a dozen i think i've done like a, almost a dozen or something yeah when, what do you think it'll take to, to climb V14? Is that a big goal? Do you have ones picked out? That's a good question. I feel like I probably should start trying a V14 more seriously. I think I got kind of sucked into some of the 13s that I thought would be really hard for me, like in that crimpy style. I'm toying around with the idea of trying the Wheel of Volvo, which is a... Mm -hmm. uh, like a pretty hard V14 is my understanding up in Lincoln Lake. It's like accessible and that like it's close to my trailer. Um, and I liked when I was training for evil backwards, I would like, I would finish the day by doing laps on the overclean traverse, um, which is like the V11 or 12 thing that is the stand start to weekend or the, the wheel of Volvo. So that seems like a possible contender for like a good 14 for me to do. And it would also be like, I think it could like serve as like a really good like fitness because it's just like a lot of V8 moves in a row. I think the bottom boulder maybe has a couple moves that are a little bit harder, but then like the overclean traverse is like the same move for like the same difficulty level of move for a while. Mm. Um, and then I, I, apparently I have a lot of power. So I think it would be good to, I think there's that um, the warrior up boulder might i think that could maybe suit me because it's like i was thinking about it and i was like i haven't done like that many boulders this trip that like where the breakdown isn't just like two moves mm. 
And like, I don't try that many boulders in Colorado that are like two moves. Mm. And so maybe I should go and try and do more of those. Um, nice. There's, yeah. Yeah. I think those are like the two that stand out. And then I'm pretty keen on getting back on the, this, the secret project out near Fort Collins. Sick. So is that a winter thing? Uh, I tried to make it a winter thing. I like, <laughs> it's like a pretty far hike and I like snowshoed out to it and I tarped it and I would like Jumar up and pull the tarp. And then <laughs> like, I kept trying, I like, it's like, my, it's like several miles in. I would like, my dogs would wear backpacks. I'd like use them as pack <laughs> mules to like get out to the rig. And then I did that. I probably put in like 10 days like that this winter. Wow. It like, I think it's really hard. It's really good. Sick. But. You'll try it this fall. I'll try it this fall. I don't know if I'm willing to go through like the December, January phase. I think that's like why I got hurt. I think it's like too cold to actually get warm enough to crimp that hard. Mm. And I think, yeah, it's also just like, I got like too thin doing that much hiking in the cold. Mm. And like, then you can't, like if you get, if you get fit enough to do the hike, then you're too cold to actually climb because you're too lean. And then you're like, <laughs> fucked. Like, you're just like, there's no way to do this boulder right now. Like, why are you doing this? Just like, go to it once it warms up. Yeah. Like a normal person. <laughs> <laughs> but you want to be a badass. I do. I want to think I'm cool. <laughs> yeah. Favorite. Do you have a favorite send reward? Favorite. Yeah. Music City Hot Chicken. There's this fried <laughs> chicken place, like five, four or five blocks from my house. It is so good. It's so, I dream of this chicken, especially while I'm out here. I'm, like, there's nothing like, there's nothing spicy in Fort Collins. Or not in Fort Collins, in Rocklands. There's nothing spicy in Rocklands. Mm, I have some hot sauce in the fridge if you want something spicy. Yeah, it's Ooh. like not the same. Yeah. It's like not the same as like cooking with like fresh peppers and mm. stuff, I don't mm. think. Mm. To me. Yeah. I love that. Do you have a go-to breakfast? Oh, yeah. I... I've been, I've been changing it up lately, but for years, I, and Haley Fultz kind of turned me onto this. I'd have like, I'd have like eggs, sometimes just like egg whites when Haley was like workhorse in me being in charge of everything. But, and then I would do like black beans and veg, like all cooked together. And I think that that's like enough protein and enough like vegetables and everything that it was like awesome. I probably ate that for like, I don't know, five years straight, like mm. every day, mm -hmm. full OCD mathematician move. Be like, <laughs> need the same every day. Yeah. And now there's been too much. My routine has been messed up in the last year with the, the trailer and everything. And mm. now I'll do in lots of different things. Maybe I'm growing up. Maybe I'm like becoming a person that can not just eat the same thing every day. <laughs> I, cool. I'm kind of the same way. There's no, there's no shame in that. Yeah. I'm, I'm a creature of habit for sure. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Uh, Go-to climbing shoes if you could only pick one pair. Pick one pair. I think I've been climbing mostly in the Mad Rock Shark. I, yeah, Mad Rock's been helping me out for years now. And I, I, I'm I, like tempted to say like the drone, but the drone doesn't seem to like hold up to abuse as well as the shark. Like the shark just never, I've like never had a shark actually blow out on me. They just like get soft enough that I like ask for another pair. But like the stitching never breaks. And for a guy of my size who mostly climbs on granite, like they're stiffer. And so usually before they get really, really broken in and like I seem to be able to get everything that I want done in them. Um, 
yeah, that's what I spend most of my time in. Yeah, which is, I think, odd. I don't think there's that many shark fans you, out there. You're the first person to even mention them on the podcast, I think. I use them on Empath. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. Nice. They, 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 um, you can like, they have kind of a chiseled toe. Mm. The toe is sort of pointy and low profile, so they're pretty mm. good for like flared cracks. Yeah. Other than that, I don't use them that much, but they're pretty decent shoes. Yeah. I think it really helps. I, they, I would imagine they might be like a little too stiff and like they're kind of wide in the toe box. Mm. I have like fat feet. The heel fits me a little bit better than the shark. I mean, than, than the drone. They're being redesigned. I know. I'm a little stressed about it. <laughs> I was like talking with the, I was talking with the, the designer guy on the Madrock team Instagram being like, these are the things I like about it. Don't change them. Mm. But I, because I'm like in you a- You should stock up in Paris. I, I'm thinking about it. Me and, me and Matias were talking about it. I think it's like, I think if you're a heavier guy who climbs in Mad Rocks, then you want to be in Sharks. I think if you're a smaller person, then like the the drone or the the drones make more sense. And I really, I've been I've been sending everything here in red lines, um, but I find the red lines completely useless on granite. Like here, I find I They're was like too soft. Oh yeah, I was completely. I brought them last time here, being like, well, maybe I'll do some warm ups in these, but I like think these are useless shoes. And then I ended up like being like, why didn't I only bring red lines? Like mm. this is the only shoe that I want. And I like great Grockland shoe. Yeah, I like took I like brought a brand new pair, and it's like I have like not I've brought out my drones like twice. Like they are perfect for the sandstone stuff. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Sweet. What would you consider to be your home crag? Oh, I mean, lately Red Feather, which is that like one of the granite areas near Fort Collins. I feel like that's where I've been spending a lot of my time the last couple of years. It just like has less crowds. I feel like I got a little bit more reclusive through COVID, like climbing mostly on the home wall with just like the small community that comes there. And then when I'm like have time off from work, I kind of like want time and and there's time and space for like me and the dogs to be out and there's like no cars and no crowds up there so the dogs can run wild and the rock's not that good, but no one's there. And so it's like mine. Nice. Yeah. Your choss. It's my choss. <laughs> yeah, it's it's choss sometimes. Yeah. What do you listen to when you're climbing on the home wall? Oh, I'm a like a I'm a trap lord. I love <laughs> trap. It's yeah, it's like kind of poppy rap. Do you have a playlist? Yeah. Share for I have I have a playlist. It's called Math's Got Me Hard. <laughs> um <laughs> Amazing. And yeah, it's it's okay. I feel like <laughs> I was teaching calculus this last year and I was like super pumped because Drake dropped a new album with 21 Savage. And I was like, yes, like this is awesome. New trap album. And then it was like a big letdown. Like I didn't think it I didn't think it was that good. And I was like trying to talk to the other freshmen about it. I was like, you guys listen to your, like new Drake album? Like this is sick, man. Like, is it good? Is it bad? I don't think it's that good. I think it's overhyped. And they're just like dude, you're old. Like no one listens to Drake. He's out. And I was like, like you heard of this other guy? And I'm like, no, I haven't heard of that guy. It's like, oh, I'm, so, I'm like, this is what it, this is what my life will be like from now on. Like I'm not in the young crowd. I don't like the young people music. I like the music that I liked when I was in college. Yeah. Uh -huh. yeah. So that's, that's first, first experience of that first few experiences mm. of that this year that the 18 year olds are getting a kick out of me trying to like 
connect with them over music. <laughs> and they're like, you like bad music. And I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> what are you proudest of, Nick? Oh. That's like a big open-ended question. I think a lot about, and maybe this is like, doesn't let me be as present, but I like to think about if I would like have regrets when I, when I'm older, if I like look back and I'm like, if you went through that time and you didn't do that thing, would you regret it? And the same thing of like, in a sort of like from a different lens of like, if I could go back in time and be an 18 year old and like tell myself that like, oh yeah, like you did Airstar like really fast. And like, I, like, what would you think of yourself? And I, like, I think 18 year old Nick would be like hyped out of his mind. Like, he'd be like, are you kidding me? Like, you're going to do that? Like, that's crazy. Or the same thing goes with math. Be like, oh, you're going to like be able to like be at this place, like studying for your PhD. And I'm like, yeah, like, I feel like I've been working towards these like kind of big two like goals in my life, like being a, somewhat of a, like a real mathematician and somewhat of like a badass climber and I'm like, in some ways, like obtaining those things for the first time in the last year. And it's not like, I'm, I hope there's like room to grow in both of them. And I think it's like good to keep an open mind that maybe I can do things like V14 or like publish some cool math things. But in some ways I'm, I'm really trying to like enjoy the fact that I feel like I've made it into like the place that I wanted to make it to. Mm. And I still feel really young. I'm, I don't know. I'm, I'm proud of those two things. I'm not trying to not like, but it, I don't think, I think it's always tempered with the fact that I like have all these examples of like amazing crushers out there who I really look up to, who I see doing like the next level of either of those things. Mm -hmm. You know, whether I'm seeing people like Ethan climbing climbs that I can't do or, um, or watching, like talking to professors who can math way harder than me. And you're just, you're like, well, like there's, there's always someone better. So I feel like the pride is tempered by that, but I am like happy with where I'm at, I guess. That's right, that sort of It's a good place to way. be. Yeah. That's what, that's what you want. Your send of Airstar was so sick. Oh, thanks. that whole Watching that whole session and then just like watching your send was one of the coolest moments of my trip for sure. I almost forgot about how rad that was, but he was trying on this freezing windy day with so cold, like at least half a dozen other really, really strong boulders. Um, everyone was like, you know, taking turns, giving tries. And Nick was the only one who sent it that day. And he'd, he'd like, you know, I, I think I watched you try once or maybe twice that day before you did it. But like, that yeah. got that super strong dude. Liam was trying. Um, Odin. Carlos was trying. Boyko. Who else was trying that day? So many strong climbers yeah, were trying, and Nick just like smashed it. Did it like flawlessly. It was it was so epic. Sick. Yeah. yeah. That that I think feels like the most un like out of body send this trip because I I think I did it third or fourth try from the ground this trip. I, I tried it with last year for like at the end of a long day um you tried it once before basically. like once before and i got kind of close to touching the hold and but i was like shot i was tired and i was like okay and then i i warmed up on the rope figured out some top beta that worked for me and then i just like did it this trip and i was like what 
the hell is going on? Like, who is this guy? This isn't me. And well, it was an epic scene. It was, it was awesome. Sick. It was like flawless too. Thanks, man. Yeah. Yeah. You looked surprised. I was very surprised. <laughs> also, it was like, who is this Nick? I mean, I I know who you were already, but like, it was just funny because you were trying with all these like, you know. Hard men. Yeah. Yeah. Hard yeah. Boys. Yeah. Thanks, man. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thanks for doing this. That was so fun. What's uh, what's next? Are you climbing? You got another climbing day and then you leave? Yeah, I have. I climb tomorrow and then I fly home on Sunday. Okay. So that's two days from now. Yeah. All right. Got to study for some math tests. Hope, wish me luck. Hopefully I didn't <laughs> blow it by just climbing for a month. <laughs> Well, sick, dude. Best of luck. Safe travels home. Congrats again on your amazing trip. Thank and, you. Uh, yeah, let's let's hang out this fall. I really want to come check out your home lot. That'd, that'd be, be sick. Fun. That'd be super fun. Sick. Sick. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye. 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 Hey, friends, before you go, quick shout out to all of our sponsors for this episode. As always, you can find links to all of our sponsors and you can see the coupon codes for their products in the show notes at thenuggetclimbing.com or just by scrolling down right there in your podcast app. I make it really easy for you guys to get great deals on some of my favorite products. So check them out. Scroll down right there in your podcast app or check out the show notes at thenuggetclimbing.com. And as always, I put tons of goodies in the show notes. So for this episode, you can find links to all the things, videos and books we talked about, related podcast episodes, my guests' links, etc. You can find all of that stuff conveniently linked for you at thenuggetclimbing.com. Just find this episode and all of the show notes will be there, including timestamps so you can scroll around and find some of the best nuggets from this interview if you want to listen to those sections again. And as always, thank you guys so much for listening. If you want even more great content, if you've been loving the show, I do have a Patreon. I have tons of bonus episodes over there, almost 50 bonus episodes. They're called follow-ups that I've published so far with past guests from the show. Those bonus episodes are some of my favorite interviews that I've done on the podcast. You can get access to all of those and ad-free episodes and more for $5 per month. Go to patreon.com slash thenuggetclimbing to learn more. There's a link for Patreon right there in your podcast app as well. Thank you guys for listening. I appreciate all of the support. Happy climbing. I hope you have an amazing week and we will see you next time. Like we do it